Old School Lane Casual Chats is brought to you by Old School Lane, producing various content from blogs, videos, and podcasts discussing about movies, TV shows, video games, and everything else in between since 2011. You can check out the podcast on Anchor, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Radio Public, Overcast, Breaker, Pocket Cast, and YouTube. We're associated with Channel Frederator, Manic Expression, The Comic Book Cast, and The Aaron Meta Show. everyone welcome to a very special episode of casual chats i am patricia and i'm here with a various slew of guests where we're going to be talking about the final season of the 2020 disney channel animated series the owl house so uh um the returning guests i'm here with aaron meta from the aaron meta show hey everybody and uh yeah um really uh, just uh taking in like uh, one of probably the best disney animated shows that we've probably had and i've been watching them since the 80s so that's saying something mm-hmm. And we have uh, Jim Bevan. Welcome back, Jim. Always glad to be back, especially uh, since we're going to be talking about such an amazing show. I'm looking forward to the discussion. All right. And uh, we have back uh, Morgan Terry. So welcome back, Morgan. Thank you for having me again. Can't wait to discuss this stuff with you guys. And finally, last but not least, we have the third Bill. So welcome back, Bill. Booty hole theory confirmed. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) I believe believe you missed someone else, uh, Patricia. You know, oh, uh, did I now? Oh, I'm very sorry. Yeah. <laughs> it's the billing. I require an and. It's like Shatner in Star Trek. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> and we have um, our new guests who are going to be joining us. Uh, so we have uh, these two amazing reactors. We have, uh, I am Zamber. So welcome, Zamber. Hello. I love Owl House. It's the first show that made me want to get a tattoo. Cool. Tatted squad, let's go. <laughs> and uh, last but certainly not least, we have uh, We Last React. So, welcome. Hi, thanks very much for having me. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. so The Owl House season three, the final well, season of the series. So, right before we go into all of that good stuff, I, as usual, I like to have my new guests come on in and discuss about how they first got introduced to the show. So, Zamber, how did you first learn about The Owl House? So Owl House is one of those ones that kind of came around the same announcement as like Miraculous Ladybug, Star. It was kind of getting hinted at and I ended up just immediately falling in love with it. Like any witch girl, magical girl thing, I just eat that up. (laughs) So learning about it, finding out about the voice cast, kind of falling in love with it, hearing that Alex was going to be in it as well, doing some goofy, funny voices. I was like, okay, I'm willing to give it a shot and it was just love, love at first episode. <laughs> All right. And uh, how about you, We Last Reacts? Uh, so for me, it was actually a gif of King that I saw. And I was like, oh my gosh, he is adorable. What is he? Where do I find him? And, uh, and then I was looking at I was looking at other shows to react to because I was very new to it at that time. I hadn't even really started my channel that much. I'd only done Stranger Things. And then, of course, when I found out about that, I was like, I have to get on board with this. So here we are. 
All right, and here we are. So I guess, uh, um, yeah, go yeah, ahead. Before, before we go any further, I think, uh, I mean, we've talked about everybody who's here. Let's talk about someone who unfortunately isn't here, and that's Elijah. And uh, as of this podcast, we recently learned that uh, her grandmother recently passed away. And I thought maybe we should just, uh, you know, take a moment to uh, mention, you know, some good things about Elijah and, uh, you know, some of the great things that she's done during the time of the Owl House, because I'm sure she would have loved to have discussed all her time of here. And one of my favorite memories with uh, Elijah is just every Every single Lumity reaction that basically she actually came up with and saying that, uh, you know, the gay panic is so real in Amity. And I didn't even kind of understand, like, you know, what she was, you know, hinting at until, you know, obviously I watched, you know, uh, the, the reaction. And so I followed her along with, you know, how she felt about it because, you know, she was looking at it from obviously a lesbian perspective. And so she, you know, uh, obviously had, you know, a better idea of like what, you know, the feelings were going through between Luz and Amity at the time. And so she was very, you know, educational in that in that regard. It wasn't just, you know, watching her for fun. It was watching her to like say, oh, hey, you know, this is uh, that what it means to her uh, as, uh, as that. And so I feel like, you know, watching this with, uh, you know, watching the episode afterwards and then hearing about how Elijah felt about it i think was a really big thing and uh you know so uh my heart goes out to her at this point and uh because i think uh without you know she made the owl house a lot more enjoyable i think uh, when she was around so mm -hmm. yeah mm -hmm. and i i think in honor of that i think we should give a moment of silence for her grandmother's passing so if you guys um don't mind of course Thank you. Okay. All right. Well, let's let's get into it, guys. So three seasons of the Owl House, each and every mm -hmm. single episode was able to elevate every single time with its characters and a story. We were really sad when we first heard all the way back in season one that the last season of the Owl House was going to be cut to three 45 minute specials because Disney felt that it didn't fit the brand. And so we knew that from the very beginning that a lot of things were going to be rushed. A lot of things were going to be cut. A lot of things that we wanted answers for were not going to be resolved. So let's go into each and every special and discuss about our further thoughts into it. So thanks to them, which was the very first one. And the plot synopsis was that taking place immediately after King's Tide, the, um, you know, the Hex Squad was basically trying to, uh, you know, get themselves acquainted over to the human realm and trying to figure out how they're going to be able to get back into the Boiling Isles. Uh, Halloween approaches, so they're able to uh, figure out a way that they can be able to do it by finding uh, a clue on the abandoned house and we get uh, little snippets of some backstory between Bellows and between the other Wittabane brother Caleb and some other stuff that was happening around during the 1600s and taking place all around Halloween so yeah I'd like to know about what your further thoughts are of this special so whoever wants to go first go for it so um thanks to, I mean here's the thing about this just to just speak generally about season three I mean unfortunately the, these these are the these are the dice were given and we have to roll them and so I mean what Dana and the crew did I think they did under extraordinary pressured circumstances in regards to like trying to put this entire thing together and uh, hey well now on YouTube you can actually see like the whole like three hours and 29 minutes of this whole thing so it's like it's like a Lord of the Rings movie 
movie, uh, effectively. So, like, I guess, you know, I think if I was told that, you know, hey, Arnold was going to get, like, you know, a three-hour three, a three hour and 29-minute, like, you know, uh, hyper-special, I'd be like, good grief, I'm, I'm going to be watching that for, like, you know, for days, uh, pretty much. So, um, I guess... Given there's a there were there was even though it's a dark cloud, it does have a silver lining on it, and so uh, thanks to them, effectively you know puts um, basically puts the whole show on its head. It takes you know our favorite witches and puts them in the human world, and you know there's going to be some people say that oh well Amphibia did this first, but you know like uh, the thing of difference is uh, with Amphibia compared to this is that I feel like Amphibia some episodes in the human realm weren't as not as enjoyable. I think as probably seen this special as an entirety and yeah we you know um i feel like the owl house probably handled the you know the witches in the human world better than it handled you know the uh, the planters in uh in amphibia uh in my opinion so um because you got to see like them you know interacting with it you know gus is having a, a ball of a time trying to like you know uh dude finally you know he, he's been talking about the human world as you know the president of the human society and then all of a sudden he's there like you know, it's uh, it's a big thing for him. Uh, Amity's coming more out of a shell at this point, and because now she's like in a completely different world, and she can basically be like you know her own person away from like you know the pressure of her siblings and you know her overbearing mother and uh, you know her dad who doesn't really pay it all that much attention to her, and uh, so she's got that freedom to kind of like blossom with Luz and like various other you know uh, aspects of that. You get to see another aspect of V, which you know uh, at the time we just thought was basically just creepy Luz when we started off with it, and uh, then we told there was. No such thing, and then we've definitely been told now there definitely is no such thing because uh, she was adorable in her new form, uh, I guess you could say. And so, um, and then we got to go through Hunter. Hunter's going through an identity crisis, and uh, you know this is more real, I think, than some people think. You know, some people they say, oh, he's you know he's uh, you know a clone character or anything like that. And you know, I thought he was going to go for like the tropes of like, oh, he's going to adopt you know certain like you know obscure personality traits and then you know by, by, by the end of it all he gets killed off and everything like that which i'm glad is not the case because you know how many times have we been through clone characters you know whether it's in batman the animated series or whether it's in other you know other shows where you know they have a clone character and he's there basically to some like you know odd traits and then after that he gets killed off and it's just it's just so sad you know at the very end and i'm glad they didn't go down, down that road with hunter they, they did hunter very well uh, in that regard so and uh good grief camila at the very beginning of the, sh of, the, of the show, we didn't like all that much. And, you know, I was one of the very few people who defended her because at the time we thought that she was a nurse. And, you know, given the fact that we had the COVID pandemic and all the crazy stuff that they were going through and all the deaths and everything like that, I totally sympathize with Camila not being able to spend as much time in Luz's life as probably that we would like her to be. And so I had that. And then we found out later on she was a vet. So obviously that was out of the window. But uh, then, you know, they allowed... Camila to build herself her own character effectively that you know this entire time like you know she's a lot like Luz and uh, you know we got to really appreciate you know uh, the struggles that she went through and the struggles she was going through and thanks to them like she's trying to um, you know I have a theory about you know how on earth is it that she pulled off being a mother of six like you know for all those couple of months so it's uh, uh, anyway, we'll, we'll leave that until like you know later on. But uh, the fact that you got to see Camila be able to have that reconcile with Luz, the fact you got to see the other kids be able to you know have their own you know identity in this, where the sign you know you have to basically dedicate episodes to them in order to kind of flesh them out. Um, I think thanks to them, with all the elements and all the time constraints, I think came off very well, and um, a lot of people were very happy with it, including mm -hmm. me. All right. Anybody else want to share? Um. Yeah, I just want to say I do appreciate what they tried to do with the first special. 
and condensing everything that, uh, you know, all the ideas they wanted to have. But you do feel the points where it gets strained, like following up from what Arun said with uh, Hunter and grappling with the Bellows possession. It definitely does feel a bit too rushed. Like I would have appreciated a couple episodes, like say post-infection, where you see like subtle signs of Bellos reasserting his influence because, you know, from the start, you know that Bellos is going to take control by the end. And I think it could have benefited more from just a couple episodes where we're seeing, you know, seeing Hunter try to say, you know, first deny the infection. And then when he's more aware of it, he's trying to actively resist it while still keeping it a secret. Mm-hmm. Pretty interesting. I, I think that um, if we had gotten a full season three, we probably would have gotten that. Oh, yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. Like I said, I do think they did well with what they have. It was fun seeing, uh, you know, fun seeing more development for V and for Camila. But I just still wish that we could have gotten something, just like a little mini series at least. Because, yes, with Amphibia, even if the episodes weren't that, uh, weren't that great with the planters in the human world, it was still fun seeing them interact with this completely different society you know fish out war stories are always fun especially when you get to tell two takes on it in the same series right okay anybody else uh i i think i always like to think of things to them as a bit of a warm-up stretching before the marathon mad dash because they do through all three episodes episodes um details in every frame um, as much story and little character moments um, throughout all these episodes, like everything is just so crammed that, yeah, I think that that feeling of wanting a, a breath is a mutual feeling between audience and creative team. Um, and yeah, you like it's it's hard because it's like I appreciate I feel like this is the 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 arc, the storyline that's easiest to condense you know the idea of the 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 human world and then retu- like gathering ourselves and returning i think that's the easiest thing to condense but it's still like the the little the little pieces that i can try my best to mentally stretch out like gus at one point he um there's like a the crucible or some sort of witch hunt play that goes on at the halloween festival and he exposes that the the man accusing you of witchcraft is the one up to to evil and wrongdoings and i'm like that's that's the episode i wanted from gus in the human world with his mirror earring thing that never came back because we didn't have time i wanted him to be so fascinated with our world that he starts to see the 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 weird way that we take in our history and like celebrating like essentially witch hunting and i wanted to see them take in those parts of our history like coming into connecticut and seeing like the the witch hunter histories and everything like i wanted to see their reaction to our crimes just like how we've been reacting to bellos and his right socially and like that negative that would have been awkward yeah i think very awkward i think it would have been so interesting to see to see all of that and i feel like it got summed up in a, a quick bit in a play and i'm like that's exactly what i wanted but longer with more breath and I, I appreciate taking at least a time to acknowledge some of those things because I I like the the scavenger hunt. I like the the um going to the museum. It's under new management. 
but I I remember the first time watching it, I'm waiting for what's his name to show up and like destroy everything with the practice wand. And then just having to let that go to focus in on, yeah, this is this is about Camila, this is about Hunter, this is about Luz, and getting bits and pieces of, you know, let's let's address the giraffes at least and let mm-hmm. Gus and Willow and V like let's let them all have fun and and Amity trying to figure out the the human world library and like it's 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 nice to at least yeah. have those little nuggets. Oh yeah, Amity doing that. Amity in the library. It reminds me so much of that scene from the one Star Trek movie where they go back to the 1980s and Scotty uh, thinks every computer is voice activated. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, also, the uh, the witch hunter in the human realm is called Jacob, the guy who owns the who did own the cultures, and yeah, and uh, yeah. Well, one thing I was thinking with him is that I thought you know we were going to go down the road of like you know he was going to be like one of like the, uh, the the people the villains out of Shadow Man, where like you know where Bellas is like pulling the strings and like getting to like do like all his evil stuff and trying to like you know thwart you know uh, mm-hmm. what the uh, the X Squad were doing, but uh, you know uh, also we didn't have time for that, so yeah. Yeah. Anybody else want to share? All right. Well, I think that, yeah, I I definitely do agree that there are some things that could have been done a little bit in terms of like developing more of the story. I mean, the only bit that we've ever gotten regarding about Caleb and Philip and the Wittabanes entering over to the Boiling Isles is with this special. So the whole hint about like, oh, you know, Caleb met up with Evelyn and they had a relationship and it just turned out that he was real, uh, Philip was really jealous. And, you know, the only things that we were able to get like hints of this was this and Hollow Mind. So they don't further develop this over time. But I think that for like keen eyes they're able to put together that most likely that the Clawthorns and the Wittabanes were eventually like from the same family which I actually called on this by the way all the way back in season 2a I called that this was possibly going to be a thing because as I mentioned before where did Ida find the portal door at her backyard so I was thinking Mm -hmm. okay how did that get there and then I just like put two and two together with the whole the fact that Gwendolyn was the only person who knew about Philip Wittebane when Luce was told about the book in the library and the fact that all the Clawthorns had bird palisman and so that's the only thing that I was hoping to see more information of like getting more in details with Masha and maybe she would have like helped with you know more of the development because I mean we didn't even see in the end credits that her and V were a thing so mm-hmm. I would have liked to have seen more of that if um, given mm-hmm. more opportunities but the yeah but I would say that the highlight for me from that season is definitely with the uh, Camila and Luz I, I just love the fact that we thought that uh, you know Camila was going to be really upset and that she was going to be really disappointed that you know Luz has been gone for months because she thought that um you know she was like trying to run away from her but in reality she was just really concerned because she didn't want her to go through the same um you know bullying and uh, misunderstanding that you know she went through when she was younger you know being a huge fan of cosmic frontier and just being this gigantic closet nerd and i just thought that flashback where you know all the other people were just like looking at loose thinking her is weird and then camila was trying to defend her and especially with the principal where she was um, told by him that Luce was not fitting in, not getting any friends. And he was the one who suggested that Luce goes over to the normal camp. That just hit me right there saying, wow, like I can totally see why Camila did all of those things from the very beginning. And I just really thought that that talk that they had, especially when we go over to um, the next um, special for the future, 
I think that we definitely see where Camila was at that point and why she decided to do the things that she did and why she was essentially one of the the, the bit of that one of the many pieces that Luce absolutely needed so that she can be able to compose herself as to being the the bright-eyed character that we saw from the first two seasons because in season 3 she's a shadow of her former self depressed drawn away from everybody because she felt so guilty that she was the one responsible for everything happening philip gaining his powers the day of unity her, her friends being separated from their families everything so i'm glad that we were able to see that um you know come into fruition at least the first bits of pieces of it i'm really upset that we were never able to see what the videos that Luce has been sending through camilla through her phone this entire time if maybe we would have gotten like maybe a scene of that like her watching through the videos and saying like wow you know my daughter really loves these people over at the boiling aisle she's thrived over here um i would have loved to have seen a scene where we got to see that i mean but yeah, I, guess maybe- I, I really thought with the videos i really thought that you know when she was filming you know she was filming them all and obviously they weren't getting sent i thought by the time she got back to the human realm i thought maybe her and camilla would still be at odds with each other and so um you know then because obviously she's going back to the human realm and obviously her phone signal's gone back i thought maybe it would then send all the videos and then when she's like you know see they have like you have the big scuffle and like you know, they'll break up and everything like that yeah. and then camilla would then get her phone out and realize like you know she looks for all these videos and she realized oh wow these people aren't so bad but obviously then you know that would uh relegate the episode where she first discovers v and realizes that they're bad. so we already had an episode about that anyway right. so it wouldn't be i don't think it would have been worth right repeating the same you know thing again i don't think okay so, fair enough yeah even if they'd done the videos in like a credit scene, like at the end credits, we got to see as the audience all the videos that came through. I think that would have been a really creative way of just including them if they, they had the time. Mm. But I felt deprived of um, a Comic-Con episode. I know they all dressed up for Halloween in cosplay, but I feel like it would have been awesome if they'd gone with Camila to like an event like that. And maybe that's when we'd had a bit more of the chats about her opening up about her geekness as well. I would have loved something like that, but who knows what we would have missed if we'd had a... If you notice, like, you know, I think they were hinting like all the episodes they would have done in season three. Here's my, I'll argue this until they put me down in the ground. Five seasons and a movie. That's what this should have been. A hundred episodes at least. You know, it should have got the same treatment as Hey Arnold, in my opinion. And uh, so um, there would have been time to like, you know, you know, do the Comic-Con episode, the beach episode. We should have definitely have had the beach episode. Um, We should have had, you know, uh, the episode where it's dedicated to Hunter and dedicated to Goss, you know, uh, uh, you know, experiencing, you know, the human world. There's definitely some, you know, you know, uh, some episodes, you know, to build the Huntlow, you know, uh, relationship going along, you know, between Hunter and Willow, you know, build those along instead of having to rush it through, you know, see, you know, to the, like the, the second to the last episode of the show. And, uh, you know, so there was a lot of building that could have taken place in, in that time. And uh, really all we did, we get it in like Photoshop, you know, photo albums and, uh, you know, various other things. Also the date is the, the slice of life date, that Lumity date we should have episode we should have had yeah. as well. They could, like, have done uh, like they, did, they could have done like they did with Gravity Falls and just had like supplemental short videos to go up on their YouTube channel. Um, remember what they, do you remember where they did that? You know, Dipper's, yeah, with Dipper's exploration of the, yeah, yeah. yeah. More, more, more owl, owl house palettes, basically. More um, or less, yeah. yeah. They could have done that, I guess. Oh well. Yeah. Um. Anybody else want to share? 
Uh, by the way, um, the, the other thing I want to bring up is that uh, I always said that Luz's dad would still have like you know some significant part in the show, and he does. And uh, you may not notice it, but uh, when Luz says that when her father passed away, that this is the worst week ever, and then she said, "Oh well, my, then my dad gave me this book, and it's the Good Witch Azura." Like you know, he if it wasn't for him leaving Luz that book. None of this would have ever happened. She never would have got the interest in the Good Witch Azura. So he plays a massive role in, you know, projecting Luz to this adventure. That's true. Effectively. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Morgan, do you have anything to share about this? I, I the, when I think of thanks to them, I just think of just being emotionally wrecked the whole time, just because they, they started it off with sadness of like Luz where it was like almost borderline like suicidal the way she was speaking of like it'd be better if you never existed but talking about herself so like that hurt the audience and then like in the middle we got the bit with her father and her how she came to the good witch azura and just seeing her and camilla trying to process their grief which hurt and then at the end you have flapjack you're ending it off with more sorrow and tears it's like thanks to them felt like such like an emotional gut punch it was just like so many different parts of the shit that episode where you're just like questioning the meaning of life like why am i watching this i feel so upset right now and i think that says a lot for the show writing though was to where like they can make you feel so many different emotions in a single episode uh -huh. where you can go from laughing to oh we're dealing with grief now to oh look it's them in cute costumes like uh i really liked uh thanks to them and i I didn't think I was going to enjoy it as much as I did because we didn't have like any of the people still in the boiling aisles. We didn't get any cuts back to them. So we didn't have any Ida. We didn't have any King. We didn't have any rain. Um, but it was very enjoyable. And I can never really complain about the pacing of the show just because of what Disney did to Dana. I feel like if she was given the time, she would have done so much with it. And I feel like given the circumstances, she was able to solve a lot of, um, things and put a lot of lore in there to kind of tie it all together um with she it was like not even like a fifth of the time she was expecting to get for to finish up the story right. um, when they announced it was canceled so it's just i i really like thanks to them even though you know it's emotionally destroying every single time but uh yeah i liked it so <laughs> right i'll safely say this i was expecting hunters to die in this episode to be honest always oh, yeah. somewhere die in season three well, so i mean he did for a minute oh he did for a minute yeah <laughs> and uh but uh, the fact that they i mean flapjack i wasn't expecting to be honest with you no. like you know i thought uh, i thought that the you know, flapjack was going to be like around long enough and maybe we probably could get some like hints of like evelyn of like you know maybe them communicating like some kind of like spiritual way or something like that kind of like the same way that we saw in Legend of Korra where you know Uncle Io communicates to uh, Korra through like you know like some kind of spiritual like you know connection or something like that I thought that was going to happen between maybe them and Hunter maybe I don't know but um, yeah. I knew that the flakjack death was coming but only because it was foreshadowed in Hollow Mind if you watch Hollow Mind when the, the bellows inside the main pulls a bird out he smashes it in front of Hunter's face. And so that's what I knew. I was hoping I'd be wrong, but that's how I knew it was coming. <laughs> yeah, because there's was, a lot uh, of foreshadowing on this, which we'll get to later. Well, that and um, the fact that Bellos rejected uh, Albert despite the lack of juice that he needs to put in his eyes. Remember back in season one, where he's just creepily eating Palisman? He wouldn't eat Albert, and then seeing that come back again with Flapjack, I thought he was going to ingest flapjack i thought there was going to be some sort of significance to the the rejection of albert and then the last resort of flapjack i thought it was going to be the conflict of if by battling 
Bellows now that he can kind of reform from one last sip of that Palisman five hour energy. Um, <laughs> I thought that was going to be the big like interpersonal conflict is are we technically battling what's left of Flapjack and that being the last bit of Hunter letting go. And instead they just went so brutally real to the point where I really in a morbid sense appreciate that Flapjack doesn't for lack of a better word, come back. Mm -hmm. um, I think that needs to be permanent. And given how well they tackle, amongst many other things, the topic of grief and loss and death, I I really appreciate that lack of sugarcoating where it's like, no, like we properly, we not to jump ahead, but like we grieve, we you know leave flowers, the tattoo. I think that's a much better honoring of the the character and then the characters surrounding flapjack to not just you know oh there must have been some magic in that old silk hat we found and we keep him gone i i really love what they ended up doing with that because there's always that two percent of my brain that's like is the disney gonna show up and we click our heels together three times and suddenly everything's okay and we talk it out and we're all best buddies and bellos does community service from jail like no like, they did a really good job at balancing everything they wanted to talk about in my opinion. i i definitely agree with that it kind of transcended transcended being just symbolism and kind of moved itself forward to being this martyr of sorts that kind of helps carry us on push us forward in the story and not just be like oh well he's dead like cool like you get to live some plot macguffin trope it just became this beautiful symbol for all of these characters to carry them forward. And I just enjoyed that so much. Yeah. You have any further thoughts about this, Amber? Um, I would say I love that a lot of times in kind of Disney's more general programming, I won't say kids show, but general programming, they tend to, you know, make parents the joke or the bad guy. And I love that mom wasn't. We got to see her struggle being a, uh, through unfortunate circumstances, becoming a single mom and having to manage parenting all herself, uh, kind of embracing what our culture has now truly shifted towards, having that more, I hate to say it, but nerdy culture kind of come forward and people being okay with it, like having like the One Piece movie be out on the New York Strip and having that advertised. Like, I can't imagine that even like, 10 20 years ago like that stuff just wasn't there it wasn't mainstream so kind of seeing this cultural shift and um i think they portrayed it very well uh having mom kind of step more forward embrace who she was and allowing her daughter to also do that and understand that it's okay it's not something to be ashamed of whether it is through her own sexuality or just you know enjoying this book series enough that she wants to dress up as the character I think it's very beautiful and seeing her kind of grapple through those difficulties and learn to not only accept her daughter, but accept herself was a really beautiful plot point. And while I don't have a child of my own, I think they really made it relatable to anybody to understand kind of what a parent is struggling through. And I would say even if a parent walked in the room or hopefully was watching it with their child to be able to relate to that and understand that you can take an interest in what your child is interested in instead of just shunning it away. So I feel like they did such a good job with it. Yeah. Um, I, I definitely want to see, after seeing Camila with Cosmic Frontier, I actually do want to see a spin-off where Camila actually goes to space. <laughs> <laughs> that would, 
and everyone else is on her crew. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. She's going to be the Captain Janeway of the series. <laughs> okay, so yeah, um, Moscow, you want to wrap us up with uh, thanks to them? Yeah, I just uh, the only other thing I had to to put in was had already been mentioned, but the sequence where we got to find out about Bellis's past, how they how they put that into the show was so creative because they could have just done it as a throwaway story, but they didn't. They did like this advanced puppeteer type show where we got to see Flapjack or Flapjack's descendant or whatever, and uh, and yeah, it was just really nice. I really liked it. Um, overall, really enjoyed the episode. I think pacing wise, I agree with everybody. It would have been nice to have those moments to breathe those episodes that we were really missing but I liked that they put a lot of the moments into the montage I thought the montage was very beautiful as the opening um, and obviously for me I think this was actually the first time I'd ever seen a character come out as bisexual and I myself am bisexual so that was a huge moment as well for the show so I really appreciated that too absolutely all right so if uh, we can wrap things up with um, thanks to them let's go over to the second special which is for the future so they were finally able to figure a way so they can be able to head back to the boiling aisles uh, and thanks to the tiny bit of titan's blood that was located over at the gravestone they got over to the boiling aisles everything is in pretty much disarray people are turned into puppets and thanks to the collector and the only little bit of survival that was around was some of the students over at hexide gathering up together led by basha and led by somebody else but we'll get to that later so basically it's just the gang just catching up with everything that happened over at the boiling aisle since they left and it's been months since that happened so yeah i think that um if anybody wants to share about what their thoughts of this one is go for it um this episode is so important and to put everything else aside like you know the collector and you know basha being in charge of the school and like you know the chaos and like you know the uh everything like that the most important scene uh, in in that entire show was the talk that uh, camila had with Luz, where you know Luz once again you know felt like she failed and it's like you know she's blaming all herself and uh, camila has to grab her and pull her down and say look you know uh you know messing up is part of living and then she goes through like you know oh i have my wisdom tooth removed before the day of my wedding i cursed out your principal like uh, on the first day and you know uh and then also th there's one bit where she you know really hit home and that was when she said oh i i thought maybe taking you know moving to gracefield to be you know moving your dad to that fancy hospital was going to get him better and you all know how that turned out and good grief she blames herself for her own husband's death like you know like you you know even she, she has trait this is why i say camila is a lot like lose or loses a lot like her mother because they each you know, really overreact with that. Like, uh, you know, I have a theory about, again, I'll say that I'll go later on in the show about my theory about Manny, but, uh, you know, this episode was so important in the, the whole, if we had the whole season three, I think the whole talk between Camila and Luz, that episode would have been the most important episode in that, in that season, I think. And uh, so... Um, yeah, and uh, also, I mean, uh, we had a bit of a deconstruction, I think, of Basha a little bit, because, I mean, we see her as, like, you know, she's she's the typical, like, you know, uh, high school royalty, you know, uh, person. We kind of, like, had her down as that. But in actual, in fact, she's actually very insecure inside about a lot of things. And we saw that a little bit. So we didn't get to see a lot of that in season two, but we got to see, like, bits and pieces of that. Like, you know, she's trying to make herself important while, you know, Luz and Amity are talking about the fact that, you know, there might be a clue to how Luz can get back to, uh, you know, the, the human realm. And uh, so, I mean, that kind of gets uh, kind of pushed aside but actually that's uh, a, an interesting thing for the the Bosha character that she feels so insecure the fact that she's no longer the center of attention anymore and loses kind of taken all that away from her 
And uh, she then, you know, um, has loses the one thing that she was, you know, really happy about the most, and that was her grudge team, and they all got taken away by the collector. So I think, you know, we we discount Bosha, I think, a little bit, but in actual fact, like, you know, deep down, you know, she is very vulnerable, and we see that in like in the in the in the last episode, mm-hmm. uh, pretty much. This is a bit of a, is a you know part of the montage. Yeah. Um, yeah. So there's some there's some really important things that come out in uh, in for the future. I think you know besides you know loses dad who then we get introduced to you know in the final episode. Right. So. Yeah. All right. Anybody else? Yeah. Um. I think for the future is very interesting, along with the last one because and I don't remember if it was Dana herself or Rebecca Rose. Shout out to her on Twitter. Um. But the collector was not originally a part of the show. That came in once they kind of got the information that they were getting a reduced season three. So kind of getting this story about the collector and their whole chaotic background and finding out is just this child who wants to play games. This whole innocence was such an interesting plot line that they just kind of had to pieced together in their story and I find it very interesting because King kind of ends up getting a sacrifice to this child and just being a literal playmate while everyone else has to suffer which I think is a humorous plot line because I think many of us has probably experienced having to babysit a nephew or niece what have you and having to be like no like maybe we shouldn't like pop the doll's head off like that's not fun and it's like, nope, this is my game. These are the rules. And so it's that frustration of being like, no, like, please, just like, that's not how the game works. These are the rules. And it's like, no. So it was just super humorous and a very relatable, like, I'm so sorry, King. Like, you're doing your best, bud. It, it is. But I mean, at the same time, the fact that this is like, you know, a demigod that we're kind mm-hmm. of like dealing with here. Unfortunately, I mean, I can kind of understand why a lot of people start to kind of hate the collector at the same time. And I get, you know, look, I know it's a child. I know it. it's like, you know, it's uh, that whole debate about that that whole thing. But uh, the problem is that because they didn't give, uh, give the collector enough opportunity to kind of like, I mean, he did in certain areas. Like, you know, he hates being alone and uh, it looks like he is, you know, someone who has basically been played his entire time, including with what happened with Bellows. Everything like that, but at the same time, what doesn't translate through, I don't think, properly, is the fact that he's had no moral authority figure in his life, and I think you know well, that gets lost in translation. I think, and so uh, the fact that they lost that aspect of the collector in that part of the storytelling, I think, unfortunately, makes the collector character kind of suffer a little bit because then you've got a bunch of people who are going to be like, oh yeah, you know, the king's going to finally snap and he's going to blast him with his whack power, you know, like it's just, and then people, were, I was thinking that was going to. Be, I thought it was going to be like, you know, uh, the, the bury the light moment in Devil May Cry. Like, you know, uh, I thought that was going to be where we were going for with that. But, uh, you know, um, it didn't happen, thankfully. You know, and uh, I could agree. Third bill is just completely Sorry. lost. <laughs> oh, he's gone. No, he's gone. He's gone. He's gone. He's gone. But, he's yeah, gone. but you know, a lot of people were expecting that. Thankfully, we didn't go down that route because, and thankfully, you know, the collector. Well, we'll talk about like in the final episode, he was able to be turned. But uh, good grief! I mean, um, this episode is. I mean, it is a great episode. Don't get me wrong, because it has like the best things about it. But there are some bits where it's kind of like, well, you know, unfortunately, it's rushed, and this bit, unfortunately, is rushed. So. Yeah. Right. Yeah, so uh, Bill, as soon as you compose yourself, would you like to share with the rest of the class? Because I was going to say how how back and forth I've gone with the collector, because I, ironically, I'm like, 
is this is this an adult inversing loose who refuses to grow up and face reality and like needs a reality check or is this a kid am i being unfair and i'm like grow up child like that's that's the point of being a child is you will grow up it is the visual of like you know what wait like that just really got me i'm sorry like just <laughs> i am the storm that is approaching <laughs> exactly i um it's it's the most like frustrating thing and i i still value what information we get about the collector in the final episode but for the future really kept tearing me because until we made the distinction between the collector and their siblings right the i almost said architects uh, archivist archivist thank you archivist what am i doing i don't know um, until we made that distinction because of how they're revealed right i'm trying to jump between both pronouns so i'm trying to also confuse myself um he like you know oh the pinky swear happens and we see the big cloaked figure moment as the collector leaves the mirror prison i thought we were implying the brief moment we got in knock 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 it on hootie's door and the owl beast gets captured into memory i thought that was the same entity and we were all getting tricked so i'm sitting here and i'm like i don't trust you phyllis like this is a world of magic are you twenty thousand years old are you messing with everyone are you the one guilty of the for lack of a better word like war crimes illustrated in the book right should they meddle in our affairs like we'll scorch the earth and burn the air i forgot it but i was waiting for more guilt from the collector until we got that distinction and also um shout out to andy flexner one of the i hope i said their name right uh one of the art direct art directors posted all the portraits like just on twitter you can see them directly as a post in the background and i'm staring at them for a video and I'm just like, oh, dang, you were totally tricked, like seeing the full story in the portraits. And I'm like, it's the Bellows portrait. Thank you for at least giving us something like they did in Hollow Mind. But I'm like, it's nobody's fault except for Disney. But I'm like, I, show me this. I want to see the pictures move. That's that's why that's one of the reasons we're all here is, oh, cool. The, the drawings get to move and it's magic. And I, I appreciate giving us that story. I wish we had gotten it for the future to kind of prepare us for the collector's shift because it's one of the most beautiful things. And getting that full picture, as I'm looking back now for my own content, it's so wonderful to see this character, like you were saying, like comparing it to a child and like popping off dolls' heads and like, this is how I play my game. And then the introduction into like, hey, like, it's time for these characters to implement what they've learned onto a new, for lack of a better word, antagonistic force, right? Someone who can be spoken to, someone whose mind can be changed. Um, and seeing, like, the introduction of, here's our lessons, and then furthermore, in um, watching and dreaming, here's our stories. Like, it's this hopeful impact on someone, us, metatextually, watching this show. Because, yeah, it is you know kind of the you know the the while we talk so much about especially with Camila right like the stress of parenting hoping you're doing stuff right it's also this feeling of impact like someone taking the time to spell things out for anybody but especially in this case a child like the collector and like illustrating the world and experiences and like hey if you want people to play 
magic games with you, you you can't just run up to them and scream at them especially after putting their whole family in a dollhouse essentially like it did such a great job at maneuvering through that like twilight zone episode with like the little girl that turns everyone into toys or it's a little boy that turns everyone into toys if he's like angry with them so everyone's like kind of tiptoeing around him it was that brought to a full scope and fruition of hey like you representing the future have this limitless potential and impact you know you could you could grow up to be a doctor a politician you could you could lead the next generation of storytelling like your future is endless let's make sure that like these foundational things are implemented while also because of the magic of it all solidifying that it's, it's never too late for someone to learn if they're receptive and i i love seeing that in for the future because we get the the color story the color palette story i, I don't Shout out again to Rebecca Rose. She introduced me to that term in one of her videos. And I'm like, I want to pay attention to the choice of colors now. But in For the Future, we get the big, vibrant, like, it's like that artificial, like, cotton candy color almost all the time until we have grounded moments like uh, Luce and Camila aren't speaking in a forest of cotton candy. They're they're surrounded by organic uh, life, but also the the color palette. And so I like seeing this artificial film that the collector leaves over everything where, no, let's preserve it. Nobody's going to change and nobody's going to run. I can control everything. I, I I still maintain that the collector represents studio interference, but I think it's also mm. a message for us to prepare us to take these lessons, appreciate the story, take the good, implement it into our lives and prepare to move forward. I think there's something very beautiful about acknowledging those parts of us that want to control and like no these characters are my toys too you know i want these characters to kiss and i want these characters to not kiss like it's it's fun to see him kind of like meddle with the world and then learn to let that go and let the the flaws and the faults mm -hmm. and all that breathe while also having the shooting star that definitely looks like the disney logo when we get introduced to the collector's world and all the bright colors and there's something so artificial within everything while still maintaining something so relatable and human. I just wish we'd gotten so much of that information sooner. Like that was my thing with uh, for the future where I like it more now that we have the full third season where it's like taking that time at Hexide, like this is a world that still wants to fight back. They're not isolated in an apocalypse, but also um, showing us an anti-character with Basha she just wants to hang out with her friends and play sports and get through school and have a life. And I'm like, that's also a valuable thing to fight for. You can fight selfishly in this, in this situation. And I just wish we had gotten that, that information kind of moved around in a way to where I understood the collector as much as I understood Basha. Like I, does that make sense? Yeah, like, it does. It was, it was very bizarre, but then it, it made sense within the finale, but I loved seeing how for the future takes that time to uh show us even through odalia like even no matter if you have a, a good parent bad parent like or not not parent maybe environment because i wouldn't call odalia a parent uh whatever your environment is you still have a little bit of agency in it and it's it's wonderful to see someone make that effort to show you your agency show the collector what he what he is and isn't capable of and 
I, I think there's something really special about taking that time to let them be a brat, let people be scared, and then seeing like Bellos through Ray Ray feed into that insecurity and see how those things can manifest in so many different ways. And like I said, the impact an individual can potentially have. Um, I appreciate For the Future a lot more now. And I already loved it when it aired initially, despite having to shut myself off from the internet for two weeks because it just <laughs> pissed leaked all over the place. But uh, I, I feel myself finding more and more appreciation for the collector now that I have that full story. So my thing is always, I wish we had gotten those pieces sooner, the siblings and all that stuff. But the portraits were a great move to try to throw that at you as soon as possible. But yeah, that's always been my thing is wishing we learned that stuff sooner. Yeah, for sure. All right. Anybody else have anything to share about it? All right. So yeah, I think that um, one thing that I was really um, hoping that we got to see more information of was like how everybody reacted when the collector came in over during the day of unity. It's like, what was people's reactions when, you know, all these stars Kirby style were falling down <laughs> and everybody was just being like panicking. It's like, is this what Emperor Bellos was hoping that, you know, it was going to be, it was going to be like us just uniting together, but no, it just turned out to be a disaster and people would turn into puppets. I mean, the, the thing that I just thought was hilarious where Terra Snapdragon was dressed dressed up as Ida so that they can play the Owl House. I thought that that was actually pretty hilarious, you know, considering that, yeah, I mean, after everything that Tara had done at that point, yeah, she kind of deserved it. And then, of course, um, the whole Odalia caretaker thing for the collector was also really hilarious. And for some reason, I have no idea whether what whether the reason why both Owl House and Steven Universe just love pizza bagels. That That's a, that's a question I don't know about, but I'm sure that, that maybe we'll get an answer to it eventually. But, um, no, I'm serious. Um, and yeah. I, think, I think that I was out really surprised of was they were able to help flesh out Matholomew of all characters like really Matholomew <laughs> I didn't think that he was going to be like capable of being anything other than just being like some jerk to Gus but no he actually was a capable leader who was able to come up with the ideas that hey everything that Basha and this supposed leader that is you know taking care of all the students at Hexide was dealing with that saying like no all this stuff is you're, you're doing is wrong we need to have uh plans to um ration food ration water make sure that the collector doesn't find us and all that kind of stuff so that was actually pretty impressive I always like it when a joke character gets uh, some time in the spotlight and they show that they're more than just what they've been stereotyped as. Absolutely, for sure. I agree. Uh, it's amazing he was even fitting in the first place, given the fact that, you know, we're, we're pretty much limited for time. So Yeah, absolutely. And I think that another thing that was like pretty surprising was what you were saying earlier about the development for Basha. Like, you know, we thought that, okay, she's going to be just your generic, you know, bully that she's always been. But no, there's just actually a lot more to her that we see with her missing her friends and her missing playing Grudgeby. And then when Amity comes back, she wants everything to try to be the closest inkling of things getting back to normal. But Amity says no, because she's already been way past it at, that, at this point in time. But then, of course... By the know, way, there's one thing to note as well as that. So when she does the whole abomination, like, you know, that's a reference to, like, in the season one when she has... Uh, she no longer needs the construction glyph on her neck in order to basically make giant abomina abomination, you know, uh, monsters. That's right. So, uh, yeah, that's... that's, that's uh, that was her, like, you know, and scoop moment, I guess. You know, uh, when... <laughs> oh, wow. Powers. 
<laughs> anyway, so yeah, I, I thought that that was great considering that they hadn't been able to practice their magic in months. I mean, they literally just got back to the Boiling Isles. And... Well, I mean, if you looked in, uh, I mean, going back to the other episode, if you looked at Amity, I think she'd probably be playing with mud from the entire time, you know, rather than having like abomination magic. Maybe she'd probably just like, you know, fused, you know, uh, plant magic with like, you know, her abomination magic and able to like, you know, make mud monsters and stuff. So I think she had an ability to still do it. I guess that's true for sure. Yeah, and of course, you know, we have to bring in the plot twist. It's like, oh, this is who was behind it the entire time, and it was Kikimura, because of course it was. Of course uh, it is. <laughs> and, we are, and we are all amazed to see that Kikimura actually has a mouth. <laughs> I know. Yeah. Like, what? <laughs> I, th I think that's what they were trying to go with in order to throw us off, but I, I looked at that and I thought, yeah, this looks too fishy, you know? Like, have you ever seen, like, you know, in... Uh, it kind of reminds me... It reminds me, like, there's a character in the Adventures of Sonic the Hedgehog, like, you know, who reminded me of, like, you know, you know, these goofy disguises that they all come up with in order to, like, you know, it's kind of like he's been doing this the days of Bugs Bunny, and, like, you know, I kind of looked at it and thought, yeah, something ain't right here. Yeah. Like, you know, and, uh, so Kiki yeah. Moore was essentially trying to pull off a team rocket saying like, oh, I'm this character and I think that it should go this way. Please believe me. But yeah, of, of course, like this is basically like her last attempt of trying to basically take over everything because, you know, Ben Burbellos was pretty much just gone. And so the whole collector thing didn't exactly work into her favor. And so, yeah, let's see if we can try to have that one last inkling that she was trying to do with, um, you know, all the episodes that we've seen in seasons two two and a little bit of uh season one but not not that much but mo mostly with season two where she was trying to get into good graces with emperor bellows and she was trying to see if she can be able to go rising up to the top but every single chance especially with the beginning of season 2b when tara came along it was just like her being demoted even lower and lower and lower and so i think this was kind of like her last big uh, attempt of trying to at least rule something and yeah that didn't turn out very well <laughs> no typical kiki more kiki miki <laughs> yes exactly <laughs> Oh. Well, anyway, so I, I think that's um, a highlight, of course, was with um, definitely with Luz and Camila. I mean, the fact that she was able to have that talk with Luz and saying about like, you know, the mistakes that we learn is how we're able to become better as people. I haven't heard a message like that since Lois had that talk with Ginger and as told by Ginger's final episode, The Wedding Frame, in which when um, Lois tells Ginger about that, even though that she was nervous about, you know, the fact that she's getting remarried again i mean she has to take that step because you know it's something that we need to learn i mean it's how we change and it's how we grow as people so i think that when luce finally figured out the what was causing all of her for the most part issues with her own self about like wanting to be understood and that was what caused her palisman to hatch that just that one little inkling of that moment where she was able to get one major piece of the puzzle that she needed so that she can be able to heal herself back up was really really crucial and then of course the whole theories about what's Lucy's palisman gonna be is it gonna be a snake is it gonna be an otter is it gonna be an owl is it gonna be whatever and the answer is yes <laughs> called it i freaking yeah. called it yes you did congratulations <laughs> so yes. it's basically a snake shifter so it's, yes, uh, it can be it can be whatever you want to be by the toys <laughs> by the toys <laughs> if there were toys to i'm sorry i, I know if there <laughs> the, were toys yeah the funko pop flocked limited edition hot topic exclusive line you could make of string bean alone shout out to okay 
I need to find the username, but the the person on Twitter who makes like mock-ups of Funko Pops. Oh, okay. Yes. Having a field day with string beans. And I'm just like, I wish these were real. I'd compulsively have to buy them. I need I think the mystery. Didn't, yeah. didn't, the, didn't the mystery shark uh, weren't they selling uh string bean stuff at one point? Or am I thinking about someone else? I can't remember. Um, I they currently have a mock-up string bean plushies coming out soon ish i think literally like three days ago they just posted a mock-up okay. Oh, okay there's uh there's another website called um they used to be known known as homeworld gallery but they recently rebranded to the bad egg um and they have like pre-orders for um i got my friend one of them it's like a turn it's like a plush you turn inside out so at first it's an egg and then you turn it inside out and it's string bean oh wow yeah it's cool. I ordered it for her. It's not actually like they haven't been made yet or shipped out, but it was a pre-order that was happening like two months ago. So that website also sells like a lot of Owl House uh, merch as well. Patricia, when you when you edit this episode, can you just like put a little bit like gif of like Fry like putting out his, his, his money saying shut up and get take my money? Yes, I'm, I'm going <laughs> to add it right here. Here you go, everybody. Enjoy. <laughs> shut up and take my money. Okay. So yeah, if <laughs> anybody so has any further thoughts about this uh, special, go for it. Yeah, I thought it was a bit of a, a love story to parents. I don't know if anybody else got that, but just everything from like Principal Bump kind of being the main, almost parent to all the kids that were in the school when he got taken away, that place fell apart. And then, of course, you had Lewis with her mother. You had the collector screaming out for some sort of parental guidance or parental figure or just family in general to the fact that he got... Odalia, which is the worst possible type of it's not even a parent, I can't even call her that it's just like a person who he thought could be the parent, calling your mama Odalia and that is not what he needs and he was screaming out uh, they were screaming out at the beginning of the episode for that kind of parental figure where they were like I want you to be Ida, I'm going to pretend to be loose, I'm going to dress up and be this person, I want this type of life I want to be surrounded by this family that loves me and uh, and yeah and so I just felt like this whole episode for me felt like a love letter to, to parents and, and found family as well. Well, look at Willow. Like you know, she's uh, she's trying to put on a front, but she's falling apart inside. And uh, then it's to the point where she can barely control her magic. And then like uh, Hunter has to, you know. Uh, oh, by the way, now we learn that Hunter has Flapjack's powers and uh, is able to like do magic himself when he wasn't able to do to begin with. And uh, then like uh, he was saying, oh no, this isn't your fault. Like you know, you please let it out and tell me. And uh, that also cements the uh, the Huntlow, you know, uh, uh, relationship as well. And then Will just lets it all out and says, I miss my dad. And she just starts crying. Like you know, you feel her. I think as well that's that just proves the point of what happens to a child when they're forced to grow up too fast. I feel like that was an element of Willow's story is that she was sort of taking on a lot of the burdens that a parental figure normally would in that kind of situation with everything going on. Um, and so it was really nice actually having that moment with Camila where she tried to get Willow to open up, but she just wasn't quite ready at that point. But yeah. yeah I think of the hex squad, I think Willow was definitely deputy mom, I think, at that point. Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. She's the mom friend. <laughs> yeah, I mean, how far Willow had come since then, being like the awkward, shy, um, you know, witch who wasn't able to be really good with abominations, basically just being like, I mean, I'm just going to say this pun, a wallflower. And, you know, basically <laughs> just like put into a corner compared to like everybody else. But in reality, she was just a late bloomer who didn't really have a chance to flourish until she was able to figure out who she really was. And the fact that she had to like, 
have this new position of essentially being like the supporter and the, the team mom of the group, especially with, you know, Gus was like probably handling it the worst because, you know, he's a, he's like a young kid. I mean, he's like barely 13 years old at this point. So the fact that, you know, he misses his dad and, you know, he's feeling alone. I mean, he even talked about this with Hunter uh, later on in the, the special. So, you know, she had to be like the one to be strong for everybody, especially since she felt like, you know, Camila was the one who was taking too much of, you know, the, the responsibility and so she wanted to be able to help herself out but you know she's 14 years old i mean what you know she can't handle everything by herself uh, funny enough she gets those traits from her dad because if you notice like in uh what in the episode when uh you know uh lose uh, ends up uh, you know uh, having to work in the factory with a dahlia and getting like blasted to bits with like you know uh, weapons es- escaping expulsion yeah. expulsion yeah like uh, you know where you can see that you know one of her dads is like you know is sort of overbearing really overprotective of willow for obvious reasons like you know she realizes how powerful she actually is but then she's got, got like a cool dad who like you know will look look past the fact that she's sneaking out at night and stuff like that and uh, like you know so she's uh so like she's got the like the experience of the authority you know to basically be able to take control of certain situations but also she can look past also other things as well like so you know, and she gets that from her dad which is great storytelling because you know yeah. that's what that's how parents should be you know yeah exactly Yes, and uh, I'm sure another thing that a lot of people remember that was also like really heart wrenching was you think that Emperor Bellos was going to take over Odalia. It's like okay, here she mm. is, ready for the taking, but no, she yeah, Emperor Bellos takes over Rain, and everybody yeah. starts crying. It's like oh no, yeah. Rain, you know, precious cinnamon rolls. <laughs> we we like we like Rain. I mean, we Odalia, she's already. You know, we don't care what happens to Odalia. I, I know yeah. we don't care what happens to Odalia. I'm just thinking, like, okay, we're gonna have like twice the chaotic evil. Yeah, there's no stakes if Odalia gets got. Yeah, I, I was. I'm so gonna say, in in retrospect, I mean, I don't really know. I mean, I mean, obviously, when we get to the final episode, we'll talk about it paying off. But uh, I don't know. Like, I wasn't too much of a fan of the rain possession all that much. Like, you know, it's it's sort of unexpected, but at the same time, it's kind of like you know, really, like you know, I was expecting Odalia to be the one who gets like possessed and like you know starts toying with the collector and. Goes because, uh, you know, she somehow managed to get into his good graces. So why wouldn't she be the one that would be possessed? I don't know. Like, it was just, it was, uh, um, I really like to be here, be in the writer's room to like, you hear the justifications of why Rain should be I the one. I think I know the justification of this because she betrayed her entire family just so yeah. she can get into good graces with Bellows. And the fact that Bellows wasn't even remotely thinking about yeah. ha- having, you know, her being the body. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, you lost everything. Good job. You played yourself. Yeah, you're too bitchy, even for me. <laughs> exactly. Well, I, I also really like the way I keep saying Ray Ray. Um, <laughs> At this point in time, why not? Go ahead. Um, when Bellos is taken over Rain and is like, "Oh, hi, Collector. I'm magic. It's the power of your kindness that gives me life to tell you that King is gonna betray you." It's very like just deceptive and it's you know giving free candy to a kid or the weird reference but it right hi georgie i'm pennywise you're georgie now we're not strangers it's that tactic to like lure children it was something so eerie and unsettling and then um the uh voice actor avi roke got yeah avi roke yeah roke thank you i always i I write everything phonetically so I don't mess it up and then I don't have my notebook when it matters. Um, thank you. 
no, um, getting that opportunity to do that performance every time i sit there and go no i don't want rain covered in boogers i'm like that's a great opportunity to have like evil rain sounds like good for them um yeah. but i i think i think it's it's important because i think there's not many other characters without it being one of the main trio or hack squad or camila like the next character in line for this to have an impact would be rain because i've tried to think of like who would be better served i'm like maybe darius if hunter had to confront bellows a second time through another potential parent figure right but i'm like rain rain just i think hits deepest where it, it it ups the stakes and then it it gives us the opportunity to like essentially lose for a for a brief moment um as opposed to odalia that's a win if odalia gets covered in goop floats with glowy eyes and throws spiky booger arms with claws at people that's just going to be more exciting when we defeat you with rain it's like oh how do we do this and now we have to sit on it for what like two and a half three months between for the future and the finale like how do you how do you fan theory fit like flushing the boogers out and then killing them as opposed to i don't want rain to be hurt so how do i how do i brace myself and wrap my mind around it i think that was such a a fun meta gift I was under the impression, well, my theory was, before we get into the final episode was going to be that, uh, you know, Collector would slowly find out that, you know, Rain is not what she seems to, what they seem to be. And uh, so eventually Collector would either, or someone would find that out or lose basically, look, he's, he's, he's Bellows. And like, uh, and then if Collector basically would like flush Bellows out of Rain. Although maybe that might be what will happen. Like they would real, they play all the games and then realize Rain is not what they seem. So like, uh, I thought it was going to go down that route, but obviously not. Okay. Um, I think on the uh, train of why Rain, uh, I think it's important to remember that Rain has been fighting against Bellos since joining a coven. That was the whole fight between uh, Rain and Ida was, he was like, ah, they, sorry, excuse me. We're like, I am going to go join a coven now. Like, I'm not going to be wild magic like you anymore. Like I'm fighting the system from the inside and taking this different approach to it and slowly kind of catching on to what is going on with Bellos and that everything is not what it seems and trying to work around in there as we've seen throughout the episodes the the rebels within and I think it's important to kind of see that it's this silent fight that's happening and having Rain then still confront Bellos still fighting even though Bellows is literally controlling Rain on the inside. It's this uh, poetic justice of having Rain still fighting and them doing their best to stop Bellows from, you know, destroying everything and having this happy, wonderful life that Ida wanted for them and causing their breakup. And that's why Rain still loves Ida, because Rain has been doing this for Ida since the start. Right. Yeah, I think that um, pretty much sums it up for, for in terms of Rain's development uh, throughout what we saw, uh, like literally at the beginning of Ida's Requiem all the way up until this point in time. All right. If, um, yeah, I, I would like to say Morgan in Moscow, if you have any further thoughts into this right before we go over to watching and dream and go for it. Um, well, like you guys pretty much touched on it all. Like a big thing for me was the betrayal I felt during all of this 
because there was just constant times where you thought something was going to happen and then something else happened. And like writing wise, it was great. But emotionally, we didn't appreciate it, especially with the Odalia thing. I was so upset, so upset. I was like, my worst enemy's about to die on screen. And then, no, it's the sweetest cinnamon roll that gets to. I felt so betrayed by Dana and the writers like. I was about to send them my therapy bill. You don't understand. I was <laughs> devastated. I've I felt like I lost a loved one. Okay. It, it was not. And then the betrayal with Kiki Mora, like, because I was like, okay, it's gonna do the Owl House thing. Like she helped with the collector. So it's gonna be like, oh, now Kiki Mora is gonna go good. No, that wasn't the case at all. And I felt like such an idiot for even entertaining the thought that that five-fingered gremlin could contribute anything positive to society ever. But it, and, and it's like, you're going to make me feel betrayed, but then you're also going to put in like a beautiful message of like Luz's realization of all I ever wanted was to be understood. And I feel like so many people in this community can get that because at the end of the day, we're all either nerds or LGBT or we've been, you know, outcasts in some way, shape or form. And we've all wanted to be understood. And just hearing that message, I think, struck a chord with a lot of us. As far as um, Kiki Mora goes, that umpa lump and he's drowning in a chocolate lake. Amen. <laughs> Amen. The angry, angry little kitten. You know, chocolate's too good. Bird. Chocolate's no. too good. Just put her in like some, do a joker and just drop her in some chemicals. Am I there. the only Kiki <laughs> oh, Mora God. like sympathizer minus the final moments? I guess well, you are. I guess I am. <laughs> I felt like Kiki Mora until for the future, which I think, again, it's indicative of this experience. I always felt like Kiki Mora was like, indicative of someone who wants to climb a corporate ladder that's just rigged and capped like i loved watching her continue to try and appease the ceo for lack of a better word of the the emperor's coven and like try your best to like position yourself to like she thinks she wants to be the next golden guard not knowing what a golden guard actually is and you know fact sacrificing uh family and like doing all this stuff and like taking the demotion being promised a promotion like i loved everything about kiki mora thematically and then in for the future i'm like okay yeah i guess you just suck You're <laughs> like, like you I, ruined it we, i had faith in you ruined it if we had more time i'm sure there would have been more to it but i also i like the idea of okay well i've been for to continue the analogy i've been in a bad workplace environment i'm now gonna strive to be uh, controlling evil CEO for, for to ruin my stupid analogy. But like... uh, I was I was going to say because uh, you know I, the, mid season two I thought Hunter was basically going down the Zuko route where like you know he like uh, was trying his best to like please the emperor and then all of a sudden like you know he would end up being outcasted and then you know he would then go and try and like you know fight Bellos himself and uh, then you know obviously Kiki Mora would like trying to stop him like saying no this is you know this is my throne like you know and like say I, I'm going to be only beats to the emperor and I thought we we're going to go down that route but. Obviously, we didn't. So, oh, well. all right, Moscow, round us up. Uh, I think I've said most of my piece about this episode. To be honest, I think um, the the love letter to the parents was the the key one for me. But I just want to give Camila the the shout out for some of the excellent lines in this episode because she was hilarious. She had some great moments. Did anybody else also get caught out by the palisman becoming an orb? Was that just me? 
Oh, I uh, thought it was like a planet. I was like, <laughs> what is this? What's happening here? I thought it was going to be like, you know, the, the palisman was just going to be like, you know, a whole like, you know, a possibility. Like, but then we got String Bean, which basically was the possibility. Like, she, they can yeah. be anything. I thought that was the orb was going to be like, you know, it's just infinite. It's just infinite power. I thought, oh, wow. Luz has gone Super Saiyan. She's like the most powerful character now in the entire show. That's you know, that's like, next uh, one. That's the next one. We'll get okay. there. Okay. <laughs> but yeah, it's I mean, we already know that Dana's a huge Pokemon it. fan. And so seeing that egg, it reminded me of the Pokemon egg that we saw in Johto, where, you know, if you like, you know, ride it around and your bicycle for a few steps and then afterwards it hatches and then who's that Pokemon? It's Togepi. So, I yeah, I, as I said before in the Aaron and Patricia discussion, it's basically like if you took Dratini, Ditto and Ekans and mix it all together, you have String Bean. So there you go. Accurate. Yeah. All right, now we can finally go over to our last special, which is watching and dreaming. So, unfortunately, the entire gang was captured by the collector because of all the stuff that the collector was fed by rain. And so, basically, we have this wonderful scene where Luz is basically living her worst nightmare, where she sees herself as Emperor Bellows, and she is basically put by everybody the blame of like being separated from the family and about everything that happened with emperor bellows gaining power the death of flapjack and all that stuff but it turned out to be a nightmare she wakes herself up she gets reunited with ida and king and then finally we have the final big climactic battle with them versus emperor bellows so mm -hmm. share what you want to share um, I'm actually really glad this episode turned out the way that it did because uh, in my mind I thought the final episode was going to be oh uh, you know the collector's going to like start like a model combat tournament and like you know all the all the you know all the witches are going to have to fight one another <laughs> and then the final end up being like you know Louis having to having to fight Amity and uh, like you know so it all comes full circle from like you know the first fight that Louis ever had. Now she's gonna have to like beat Amity up, and you know that was gonna like you know tear her apart and stuff like that. But uh, thankfully, it didn't go down that route. And what we ended up with was that you know lose, but each one of the characters will be caught in their own private hell, effectively. So you know, I had Luz, you know, going through like you know her blaming herself for everything that happened to like all her friends, and then you got uh, King being taken back to like you know the uh, the the Titan Trappers and uh, being sacrificed on the on the altar, and then you got Ida obviously being told by her family that she's a threat to all of them and that she needs to be locked away and everything like that. And uh, but uh, then uh, Collector makes a mistake, which is that Amity makes the comment of like, "I challenge you to a witch's battle." It's not a witch's battle. It's a witch's duel. And uh, it was so clever how they how they did that to make her figure out. And then when she did that, Lou, Amity snaps out of it. Like, you know, she then, oh, wait, hang on a second. You know, um, what's going on? And so, and then she tells Louis, you know, what happens when you wake up from a bad dream? You turn on the light and she hands her the, the, uh, the light glyph. And I thought that was poetic how they did all of that. And then she wakes up after that. And uh, the whole collector plan effectively falls apart. So, um, we then get to like you know the collector like wanting to play his you know their their games, and uh, so we end up with like uh, all of that, and it's a it's a nice montage of like you know the collector finally being broken down and uh, you know finally being effectively defeated, you know uh, uh, their own game, you know for you know accused of the pun, and um then but this is a great thing about this that the collect this is the thing that was missing in the second episode, and that is that you know the collector finally explaining you know, themselves about, you know, I ended up in this world because of those, you know, uh, archivists. And um, they sent me to play with the, the, the Titans. Then all of a sudden they started disappearing. And then the King Titan blamed me for it and locked me away for thousands of years. And that's how we ended up with that. 
So, um, you know, he's they've ne the collectors never had a possibility to like learn all of the stuff that you know makes you human effectively. I mean, gives you like you know the ability to have a relationship with people. So they have that, which I thought well, that was a great touch. By the way, having like all of that thing explaining like the all of the, the owl house and uh, everything like that and uh, everything that you know lose you know learned. But obviously, in the midst of that, uh, we have uh, you know, Rain fighting off Bellows, which you know was a really cool scene. And I'm, I'm really glad that you know they said they, they, they portrayed like Rain as like, the most powerful of the of the what you call it, which in a way kind of makes you wonder why Bellows would have like taken over Rain in the first place. But that's just me. So we get that, and uh, you know, but then um, through Rain, Bellows learns that. The Titan is like you know the the you know, king is a Titan that's the most powerful thing, and then you know the Bellus realizes that the the very thing that he's been sat in you know behind the entire time was the most powerful thing he could take over, and so obviously he goes and does that done very well, and uh, yeah, so like uh, just this whole episode you know throughout that I think was a great ride, and uh, and uh, it, it does make you feel uh, you know bittersweet at the same time because like it's a great way to go out but obviously we didn't get much of a goodbye you know to kind of have to begin with obviously because of the uh, limitations that we have and that's a theme that kind of goes out for this entire season unfortunately yeah and uh, but uh, you know um getting to see you know by the way um the lose death scene i mean like <laughs> The problem is, is that I saw Amphibia before I saw this. And so obviously, you know, I thought this can't be the end, surely. Like, you know, mm -hmm. but uh, when we started seeing like all the lights and then we saw like Camila, start, you know, in a puppet form crying because she realizes what happened. And, you know, that really did does get you. But uh, then obviously we get to see, um, you know, um, uh, Luz go into the space between spaces uh, and meet uh, the most uh, uh, powerful being in uh, all uh, of uh, of life, which is Aaron Hansen of the other half of Game Grumps. But no, no, I'm joking. It's, it's a Titan's <laughs> dad. Yeah. You, you know what? Well, you know, I, I still can't get over the fact that, um, you know, uh, the Titan is, you know, uh, the guy who plays him is the one who basically does Let's Plays with the other, with the lead singer of Ninja Sex Party. I just, I can't get over that. I mean, he's I also can't. the bell in the sna snatch back, the disco snaggle ball. Back. Yeah, thank you. Snaggle Very back. important character. Snaggle back. <laughs> I, I, I'm wondering, sure. I've, I've been left wondering why they went for Aaron. I Part of me wonders if, like, the crew was familiar with how everyone was joking that, uh, Adrian, the one coven head, looked so much like Markiplier, and they decided, you know what? Okay, let's get a YouTuber for this big role just to mess with them. Well, Aaron Hansen's really talented. Like, you know, I really wish he had bigger roles, to be honest with you. Like, uh, yeah. you know, so uh, I, I think he's really cool. And, yeah. Uh, but yeah, so well, experience. Um, and also, he's in the pilot too, isn't he? He has uh, eyeballs. Yeah. I don't, the uh, guy who ate his own eyes or whatever. I just could have been. There, I just think there might have been like more obvious choices. Like I saw one person comment that based on the uh, the Father Titan's design, like just the way he looked, they said he was just crying out to be voiced by Jack Black. <laughs> that well, we got really that with Bowser in the Super Mario movie. Breaker. So that's yeah. a, that's contracts, but also that's a budget breaker to get Jack Black. Yeah, I, if you remember the the interview that Rebecca Rose did with both Dana and Matt, that there was uh, a, they wanted to actually license out a song that would have happened during King's Tide. It was going to be like at that crucial moment where you have everything just falling apart when the day of unity goes into a disaster. But of course, during COVID and they had to tighten up their belts and basically they were just like saying, nope, 
So I, I take it that maybe if a celebrity would have been possible to voice as uh, the father Titan, maybe, but I'm not mm. sure. Did they say yeah, what possibly. song that was? But but continuing on, I mean, like uh, the um, in regards to you know, obviously we get Titan lose, which is like the coolest thing ever. Like uh, I never expected that at all. I thought like you know, oh, she's got the talisman already. I thought it's like she was controlling like the superpower and everything like that. But no, the fact that they added that on top of that and brought her back, and the fact that she got to come up with a, I love that. I feel like that's a reference to Hothfuss in a way, like when uh, you know where the villains defeated and like uh, Simon Pegg turns around and says, "I feel I should say something here," and then you know, Frost basically turns like, "No, you don't have to say anything." it's like you know that was uh that that bit was great yeah and uh but uh then we get like you know some really cool scenes like you know they go all out like you know on the fight scene of like fighting the tight titan and uh then we get to see the i think it's probably the coolest scene in like the entire episode where you know Luz grabs you know bellows and just pulls him out of the heart so, like you know where there there's some enemy cardiac arrest for you but uh um yeah they, they do that but then the, we get the next scene which i think is really really good and uh you know bellows you know tries this one last ditch attempt to like to convince Luz that like, oh hey i'm free from the curse and like you know i'm all right there. and she just stands there and just glares at him and you know you could probably just look just look in her eyes and you can just see all the thoughts going through her head how many times she's been betrayed by this guy how much hatred she has for this guy like all the things that she's been through the emotion the trauma oh that bitch just magic in itself and just poetic to like just see that she's got nothing left to say to this guy it's almost like the way that doom slayer like, you know takes a look at his collector these things and the creator you know he goes down and says you know have you got anything less to say to your collector to your creator and he goes no and just snaps you just stabs him in the middle he almost he's almost reminiscent of doom eternal in a way and so um but here's the big thing that i i i i, I want to add to this and that is that uh you know the bit when the clouds come in and the and the the boiling rain comes down i think lose summoned that rain I think she, yeah, that's, uh, you know, I don't think it just, co it just coincidentally just starts boiling rain when he tries to prove himself like he's human again. And then all of a sudden he just melts, you know, like, uh, I just think. And also there's the bit where he says, you know, Luz, we're human, we're better than this. And she just steps away from him, you know, while grabbing him like that one last ditch attempt. And then you get Ida, Rain, and King saying, oh, we ain't. And they just curb st stomp him, <laughs> <laughs> like in Gears of War style. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't expecting that. And then, yeah, and then he, he, then Rain turns around and says, "You know that was extremely satisfying." I I refuse to believe that that wasn't inspired by Gears of War and Halo Two. I believe that's a great end, ending to this villain. And uh, one one last thing as well before I shut up, and that is that uh, I mean we you know trash Bellows for all the stuff that he is, but you know let's give him his due. He's a great villain. Like, you know, we want to hate this guy. He uh, says, you know, the, 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 the most terrible things. He has the most terrible beliefs. He, his justification is just so unsound in all of this. He is, but, you know, it, it comes from, like, you know, a big backstory of all this is the fact that, you know, Caleb got laid and, you know, got a, you know, um, uh, you know, a witch pregnant. But, you know, like, uh, it all comes from, like, all of that and just, you know, transpires into the whole, the whole you know, uh, villain story that we go here. That's great storytelling in my opinion, when you have a villain that has like, you know, a reason and a motivation behind it, not just, wow, I'm just evil, you know? It's <laughs> like, uh, yeah, great. Yeah. 
Great way. And, and I've seen a lot of people actually saying that this is like the antithesis of what we've been seeing in recent shows and movies about like the redeemable villain. It's like, oh, um, you know, oh, they're just gonna have like, I mean, even there was a joke about this with the collector where he goes up to Bellows and saying like, all you need is kindness and forgiveness. And so you think, okay, this is like Steven Universe when he's going over to the diamond saying, oh yeah, all the stuff that you've done with the genocide of all the planets that you've ever destroyed and basically ca- controlling the gems and having them into like separate separate classes it's like no i I just forgive that's not the point for those who are complaining about that Mm. um steven technically never like forgave uh the gems and the and the diamonds for everything that they've done it's basically like trying to find a way of saying that hey you know in this situation violence is not always the answer but in this case after everything that bellows had done hundreds upon hundreds of years of being bigoted and racist and just saying that witches were lower class compared to him because of his upbringing and then finally when you know 50 years gone by and you know anybody who was against him was petrified or anybody that um didn't stand in his way were locked up in the conformatorium because they were deemed weird or anything like that it's like after every Everything that he has done to every single character that we've seen up into this point in time yeah he has his just desserts in terms of like yeah i'm sorry there is no redeeming you man i mean we've tried i mean they've tried many times to have this guy redeemed Lilith Lil- tried to talk to him uh and Luz t- tried to talk to him Ida tried to talk to him even his brother tried to talk to him he would not budge and even with um you know uh, king's dad basically saying that you know he's delusioned because you know he sees himself as the hero of his own story when in reality he's not so we knew for sure that yeah there's no redeeming of this guy well, I mean, like, you know, when he, Caleb tries to, read, tried to uh, talk him out for the first time, and he killed him. Yeah. You know, like, it's just, it's, uh, yeah, I don't think there was any coming back from that. Absolutely but. not. Yeah. Anybody else want to share? Um, there's just so many amazing moments in this in this uh, finale. I just think the idea of uh, Bellows turning into a kaiju, that was very impressive. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, this this um, fungal-looking kaiju that looks like a cross between Godzilla and the clickers from The Last of Us. Yeah, yeah. but he, but he symbolizes little... that he's lost his humanity as well. Like, yeah. you know, he says, oh, we're human, we're better than this, and he looks nothing yeah. like it. He just looks yeah. like a rotting corpse. Yeah. yeah. See a little bit of the lich from Adventure Time in there, too, I think. You're right. Yeah, yeah. there is a little bit of the lich in there. Yeah. Um, again, as Arun said, uh, you know, the scene where we think Luz is dead, it it is a little emotional at first, but you kind of, but considering we've seen Amphibia before, we know that it's not going to last and it does lose a bit of the impact. Mm-hmm. But, I, uh, I mean, it, it, it would have been a ballsy blame. move if they decided that Luz wasn't going to be alive at the end. And then mm-hmm. everybody realizes how special she's been in their lives and they just mm-hmm. leave it at that. Like, you know, that would have been. That would have been interesting. If that would have been that. like a that would have been yeah. a Chrono Trigger moment in which Chrono yeah. was able to gather everybody from different time periods so that they can be able to stop off this evil giant creature thing that's been thriving into the earth for thousands of years. And then when he dies, you make the decision whether you want to revive him or you want him to stay dead. That would have been really interesting if they would have taken that direction. Yeah, it would have been, but you know, I still enjoy that she got her uh, her she got her awesome moment, uh, becoming Titan Lose as people are calling her. Um, one thing that's there's one question that I just had recently concerning like the finale when we get to revisit all the all the crew, and we see everyone working to rebuild the boiling aisles. Um, you know, you don't see among that group, you don't see Odalia or uh, Adrian or Tara or Kiki Mora. 
You do oh. actually. Oh, you do. Well, yes. You, mm-hmm. you sort of do, but uh, I mean, uh, I mean, I think that's sort of clever how they kind of like keep them to the side. Like you know, that's sort of like you know, um, I'm still hanging on to the possibility that Disney might realize how much of a fuck up they basically made of this, and they mm-hmm. made it's like, okay, well, we're going to do some more Owl House now, and uh, we're going to continue on where you know, oh, Dahlia is now the main threat, and like you know, all these other like you know, uh, there's there's some people who just don't like change. And I think that's an important thing about this is like that, uh, you know, I still feel like there will be, we might get like, like um, who knows, maybe we might even get, you know, uh, maybe it might be like, you know, losing Amity's daughter, basically, who we go on next. And like, yeah, you know, we're going to go into the, the, the shonen direction where we're going to yeah. focus on like uh, the yeah. kid of the main protagonist that we've been following for 20 years. Yeah, yeah. like, uh, I just think there might be a possibility that, you know, they're, still, they're leaving open a possibility for a lot of things. Like, you know, uh, it's um, so um, it, I don't think this is, I mean, this is the end for now. But I don't think, you know, if uh, Dana is still open to the idea of coming back and doing some more stuff, you know, it's yeah. um, I, who knows? Like, you know, it's yeah. um, we still must, might be in for a ride. I must have just I must have just missed seeing him like during the final wrap up, because part of me was wondering if everyone who like did stay allied with the with Belos or were to betray them, if they were in prison or if they'd ended up, uh, you know, being executed for treason. Well, we um, did see that I... Kiki Mora was in the background helping with construction of rebuilding all the old uh, buildings that were pretty much crumbled. And then we saw Tara, Adrian, and another one of the coven heads trying to see if they can like rebuild what the you know Emperor Bellas left behind. And then Darius and Everwolf basically stopped them and saying, nope, we're not doing this again. Okay, I must have just missed that then. Uh, I mean, we we, we were pretty much uh, overwhelmed with well, all we, of we the didn't, time we skip did, moments. Yeah, we didn't get in yeah. the time skip. So, like, they're, they're missing in the time skip, which I think they're leaving this open, I think. Like, the same yeah. way that Living Amphibia yeah. opens. Like, oh, hey, there's this whole new continent we need to explore. So, you know, yeah, like, just, yeah, they're leaving that open for the Amphibia coming back. I think yeah. they've done that on purpose, in my yeah, opinion. Yeah, I just couldn't. I just, I don't know why. My mind just went to this weird Boiling Isles version of the Nuremberg Trials. <laughs> Wow, <laughs> that would be really interesting if they did that. Here's the In thing: the fan did... fiction, maybe <laughs> we didn't see Odalia, so yeah. possibly I don't know. Uh, Your guess is as of, good as mine. Speaking of that, speaking of that, a lot of people were suggesting at the end they saw potential for an uh, for an Alastor Darius ship. Now that oh uh, yes. Now that he's free from Odalia, do you see that happening? I'm not against it, but I mean, I see them more as buddies, really, rather than like you know, in a in a relationship. So I mean, like uh, it just because yeah. I, I like to think that maybe you know, uh, remember when we had the, uh, the 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 prequel episode where we had like Ida, you know, talking about how she how she how she met Rain. Oh, then the Briggs uh, kid, yeah, yeah, and you can notice that they're actually you know they're talking with one another, and so it looks like they were friends uh, at the very beginning, yeah. and then something happened, and then all of a sudden, like you know, they're they're not anymore. So like yeah. uh, you know maybe maybe in the future our house stuff maybe, maybe it's gonna be them like either rekindling their friendship or maybe maybe more I don't know so yeah well that's I think yeah it's something people might be reading a bit too much into I just know it's something that like a lot of the fans have but for now honestly I think Alador might just be over off of relationships after all he's been through. I won't blame him to be quite honest. I think he just needs to focus on like you know being a father to his kids. Yep. Yeah, and I think that if they are going to say, oh yeah, Alador and Darius are a thing, I wouldn't be against it. But again, mm. we don't know yet. Anyway, anybody else have anything to share about this uh, ep- this final um, episode? All right, so I guess uh, I'll, I'll say something. I-, I think that personally for me, 
the way that they were able to try to tie everything together into like a 55 minute special. I mean, yes, there were some things that I would have loved to have uh, seen happen. Like we never got any answers about the back queen. Like who was the back queen's owner right before she completely forgot about it. And also I think another thing that I would have loved to have seen that happened around Ida's Requiem was all the witches that Ida, Rain and the rest of the bats were able to, you know, rescue and have them away from the boiling aisles. Like I would have thought that maybe they would have came back in some way shape or form but but we never got to see that either um i mean in the uh in the final uh bit you know during the credit scene i mean you saw some like newer witches that were there so maybe they were them like, i guess so was. maybe but again i'm sure that we would have gotten if you remember some of the witches that were getting rounded up in that episode actually were modeled off you know some of the people who actually were working in the show that's true you're right yeah but i think that um other than those things, I think that it was able to wrap itself up the best thing that it could. And I have to give it credit because there were a lot of great moments in that episode that just really stuck out. I mean, like the fight with, um, you know, Luce and Bellows with the Titan form and the, the that final moment where, you know, Bellows was finally defeated after just trying to save himself. And then, of course, you have everybody reuniting with each other. And that, that scene in which when we thought that Luce was dead and then Ida and King finally unleashed their full potential in their powers that was an amazing moment and the realization from the collector saying life is not just a thing that you can just fix with a snap of a finger absolutely not this is the lesson that the collector needed to learn and needed to see firsthand because uh, i mean we just saw earlier when they first talked to each other it's like oh it's like a toy if you just snap its head off you can just easily replace it. it's like no that's not how things work um, but I also really like the fact that Luz was able to talk to the collector talking about how, you know, things weren't easy when, you know, she first came into the boiling aisle. She had a lot to learn, which is true. I mean, we saw from season one, Luz, where she was a scatterbrain and just really naive and wanting to take everything that she can so she can be the, you know, the, the, the ultimate witch, but that's not exactly how things work. It's all about working hard and it's all about trying to learn everything that you can. And another thing that was really important that was emphasized once again, even from the first episode, even to this one was choice the choice about whether you wanted to go off and do this or learn this or whatever it's like you know Ida even said there's no such thing as like the chosen one if you wait around for it you're never going to find it it's your choice of whether you want to do this or not and she chose to stay in the boiling aisles and then with um with the titan saying like you know you can choose to take my powers and you can defeat emperor bellos once and for all and she chose to do this so this whole chosen one thing or you're destined to do this no, that has nothing to do with it whatsoever. You have this like 14 year old dork who stumbled upon this magical world and she could have just walked back if she wanted to go over to the normal camp and try to, you know, basically be what society wants. But no, she chose to be much more than that. And I think that that is a really important lesson because that is a major trope in a lot of fantasy stuff about like, you're destined to do this or in your 16th birthday, you're meant to go on in this epic adventure and you need to head over to this land so you can reclaim your throne or whatever. So yeah, I'm glad that they was able to break away from the conventions that we've seen up until this point in time. Moral of the story, don't go to summer camp. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly don't go to summer camp but yeah i i think that um the way that everything was able to be wrapped up was actually like really really sweet and the fact that they were able to give loose a quinceanera birthday celebration that she never got which by the way i called it i <laughs> told it that i knew this was gonna happen i knew she was gonna get a quinceanera sure was like 
much later on but you know what i don't care i called it i'm happy that that she got that celebration yeah by the mm -hmm. way the final scene where you know the all the characters say goodbye to basically well the audience effectively they kind of break the fourth wall in that yeah. which i think was a very you know i really we said the oh hey you know i really they did a moment where like all the characters came together and like all took a bow and like you know were with everybody and because uh, you know it's been such a great show yeah and, it's kind of like uh, that yeah, got... moment in which they all came on stage and they sang that one last song because they knew that they weren't going to make any more episodes yeah so uh, but as we all know dana doesn't like musicals so we weren't gonna that's get true that. yeah <laughs> yeah anyway so yeah uh, you guys can share your thoughts go for it um i think it was just nice to get that last uh what was it like five minutes or so of epilogue yeah just kind of allowing us to have that just enough closure to be okay to kind of walk away from the show but still knowing that the characters are able to still grow they're still learning still having these adventures while still reassuring the audience that they're okay that you know Luce and Amity are still together even with the fake out of like oh you haven't seen them in like so long and it's like nah it's been like <laughs> we see them all the time like it's this very lovely where I feel like there is a lot of shows where their ending kind of leaves everything open and there's a lot of mystery while it's nice, but then kind of allows for the viewers to be like, well, what happened? Like, there's so much more I want to know where I feel like with Owl House. Yes, I would love to still get like some graphic novels, maybe even like some mini series, what have you. But I can walk away from the show knowing that everybody's there. Everybody got a solid closure to them that everyone's life is moving on they're rebuilding and allowing for this lovely moment at the end to just literally as you guys said break the fourth wall to be like we're good bye you can leave us now like go make more fun go have adventures and it's like okay i guess i'll go <laughs> yeah, well, i'm just appreciative well, of it when they were talking about like you know everyone's going to be like you know crying after over a happy moment i thought i, I generally thought there was going to be a lumity wedding I really thought, like, you know, yeah, I, and by the way, I'm I'm so upset with you, Luz Batista. You hinted at that there was going to be like, oh, and everybody lives happily ever after, after the big wedding where there's music and colors and fireworks and all that stuff. I never got that zero out of 10. Yeah. So. No, I'm kidding. Uh, shout out to you, Luz, if you're actually watching this. <laughs> I wonder if they didn't want to do that because they've been hearing a lot of like, there's definitely been a lot of noise of people, and I know that I'm one of the ones that hates it, of like uh, aeroace and aeromantic people in the community that are like so annoyed and get so frustrated with how many of those shows do the time jump with the married with the happy kids and ever after. And it's like, there could be more to life than getting married and having kids. So I'm kind of glad they left open enough where it's like, they're still together. They're clearly heading that way, but they've not just gone ahead and done that i won't name the 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 franchise that i'm thinking of in my head that is now cursed but i'm, I'm sure we're thinking of it but yeah yeah. yeah, well, I think I thought that's where we were heading with uh, with Lumity anyway, and uh, you know, like uh, well, you know, there's other characters who didn't get married, like you know, like uh, thank goodness, like you know, they didn't romantically put you know uh, Lilith and Hoodie together. I'm glad they didn't do that. <laughs> oh but, my uh... god, can you imagine? Cursed. Oh my god. What's that about the Hoodie Hole theory? <laughs> oh, that's, that's a different kind of hoodie hole. I was about to say that I didn't want to Lilith's say. It. admiration for the Titan is translated to her admiration and connection to Hootie because Hootie is connected to the Titan. That's the there you go. I there we the go. Hoodie hole theory from, part of yeah, okay. that's part the of the relationship of, from the hole from the um, mouth. <laughs> well, speaking to that too, I I'm a go. I saw some people talk about wanting 
um a wedding scene or even i was joking around when watching it i'm like more kisses please like i'm like i want i want to stay here forever but then i kind of because i've been going through my own thoughts to collect it for another video and i'm like bill at some point you're just asking for up like you can't just get every single piece and do you really want that do you want to see loose and amity just get older and older who dies first like i'm like at some point like you said it's time to say goodbye have our own stories and i think that was the perfect way uh to do it because i mean i'm not arrow nor ace and i too am like tired of like every meaningful relationship doesn't need to be uh romantic or familial and that's something that uh diablo house thrives on even in this finale right that is showcasing and celebrating the connection of uh sorry um a found family she got loose got her chance to be connected with king and do spells with ida um it really brings that whole messaging full circle in a in a big way this does solidify uh their bond their family and i think they they really go above and beyond to showcase all the different forms of not only relationships but happiness and the things to seek wanting to be understood um you know wanting to uh, be a support system but also be a support system for yourself like with willow um i think they they really do a fantastic job at illustrating uh realistic and varied wants and i feel like they they set up a nice just like how they've given everybody who likes to cosplay uh thousands of like potential possibilities to cosplay it's also like they set up the board really nicely for like you know well i like to think this happened and i like to think this happened like it, it really uh keeps everything nice and open for that final goodbye and that final bow but i i i, I like seeing not only an ending of our our heroes in a better place standing at an exciting crossroads you know, or I guess instead of a crossroads, a field of of possibilities and feeling that joy. I I really love celebrating not only the story in that way and the characters in that way, but also it's it's exciting for us. You know, like I was saying earlier with the collector, like our our potential is limitless. Our future is so ideally open, or there's there's so many things you can do or try and explore. And I, I think it, it encapsulated as best it could while like just every, there's like so many details in every frame. Like they they love these characters as much as we do. So like, let's try to get as many of them in there, you know? And I I think it it's just a nice gesture to keep things loving, kind and open. And the subtext is there if you want to dig for it, if you're someone like me, like just the implication of like Harpy Lilith, for example, Ida became Harpy Ida by accepting and coming to peace with the, the owl curse and embracing it as part of herself and letting you know without getting the time to show you, Lilith had her own experience or version of that. Like, it's just, it's right there to see it. Or if someone just likes to see the visual, oh boy, we finally got to see Harpy Lilith. Like, it's satisfying for, I don't want to make this sound negative, but like the, the surface level of, oh boy, like the character design I've been wanting to see. And oh boy, a little bit of closure for a character I'm so invested in, if you want to dig that deep. And someone who jumbles back and forth between that, where I'm like, kisses please, and contextual illustration and knowledge and thematic, you know, storytelling. I jumped back between those so much that it I felt so 
uh, nourished and acknowledged on both sides of that uh, spectrum for me. And um, I don't know, it's, it's just, it's, it's satisfying, it's pleasant. And like I said, like it, it also keeps things so grounded, um, you know, the fantasy and the reality that doesn't need to be separated, it needs to be balanced. Um, one of the core themes of the Owl House, in my opinion, at least. Um, it's it's nice to see uh, thriving in uh, a, 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 a combining of a world, getting to have the choices, seeing seeing V and Luce graduate, seeing um, King finally get to play catch, like giving us as, as many little moments as possible to breathe as much life and give as much love out as they keep receiving in. Um, I I think that epilogue is like super important and 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 not putting it so stereotypically of like you know and like like you said like a, they all live happily ever after the end but also wanting to contribute to a conversation in in storytelling um because you mentioned it earlier the comparisons to steven universe which thank you for saying that because nothing hurts more than having two shows i really like being uh bad taked and misinterpreted at the same time in the same sentence but I feel like the Owl House, yes, ended that conversation because we did get the the communication and the forgiveness and the talk with a responsive antagonist with the collector. And then when the collector tries to implement it, here's the next lesson is that's not always going to be realistic. That's not always going to happen. That's not always going to be presented. And it's not even like Bellos genuinely sought that out and no, you must pay for your crimes against humanity he never even sought it out and that solidifies the point i i feel like the owl house yes ended the concept of some villains are not redeemable some things are irredeemable and i i really appreciate the 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 writing there to expand on that thought further because like i said like so many people still kind of misinterpret uh the point of steven universe og or future because um, the, 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 I, I, I'm, I'm having a hard time looking at those <laughs> takes where I'm like, well, all that, like, it, just, it was just hugs. And I'm like, no, 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 no. And like, you get all that in the Owl House too. And they add to it. And it's like, yeah, like if Steven Universe was still going on now, like, and they had time and wanted to expand on these thoughts, they totally could. But here is the, the product of that kind of storytelling. You know, just like how we can all talk about how Steven Universe, Adventure Time, Gravity Falls branch down into a lot of the stories that we're ingesting currently or have ingested, right? Because I think they're basically all done from that tree. Mm -hmm. um, it, it's it's constant expansion, constant expansion, and this is this is the 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 fruit of that seed is to continue to uh, expand on that concept and and message and narrative and. I don't know. It, it, there's something obviously I'm biased because I've done so many videos digging deep into all these things, but like there's something so enriching in that alone. And then taking that final acknowledgement to say goodbye um, and seeing these characters have uh, so much potential and seeing the world rebuild the, the school is in the heart of the Titan where Bellows died. The, the place for wild magic learning is literally on his grave like that's or i guess his death site um there's just something so satisfying when you when you look for all those pieces and um 
I don't know. You just don't do that by accident. And uh, I'm just, every time I've rewatched it, I've just been in constant awe of all the things that I did or didn't pick up the first time and picking up now, connecting threads to previous episodes. It's, it's amazing what you can do with a short amount of time. And I'll always crave more while still being impressed with what, how much you got done mad dashing, drowning in sweat and bleeding from your shoes, trying to get this marathon done in record time. Like it's, it's, uh, it's incredible. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, anybody else want to share their thoughts of the final episode? Uh, it was, there was like so much in it where I could like go on for hours, but I won't put you people through that. But uh, <laughs> Like a lot of what I liked is what has already been said, but like the whole concept of letting this show go is just heartbreaking. But what really like was the straw on the camel's back was that final scene when you think they're going to say bye to the collector or they're, they're going to say farewell to the collector. And then they hit you with a bye. And you realize it's you, the viewer that they're saying goodbye to. And that hits you like an emotional freight train. And you, you didn't even know you were on the tracks. You, you didn't even know you were, you were about to be emotionally wrecked and dragged for miles, but here we are. And just that scene, I think like, broke all of us a little bit inside because that's like the realization of it's over now. Like they said goodbye. Like we, we have to part with it now. Well, like, it's over for now. Yeah, for I now. But I mean, I wouldn't blame Dana for not wanting to go through this crap again with Disney. Uh, but I, you know, uh, Rain and Ida and Lilith spin off when they're kids would be great. Or, you know, they even like they even like brought it up in the show. Like that's a spin off I'd watch. Um, the one thing I'll say about it is, is that I think, uh, you know, where Dana is now in regards to her relationship with Disney, obviously she's going to walk away for a bit. She's going to cool down. She's going to work on a couple of projects that she wants to do. And there's other things that she wants to do. She's very creative. The one thing I hope that she's going to do, and I doubt she's going to do it yet, but uh, recently uh, Illumination Studios announced that they're going to do Moonlight, which is their like uh, their adult-orientated, you know, animated movies that they want to do. I would love for Dana to walk in and basically do one of those projects. I think yeah, so. if if Nate Stevenson was able to transition from She-Ra over to Nimona and have a much more you know interesting take on that, then I wouldn't be surprised if we see that. I mean, even with like uh, Mike Rianda, who you know was a you know a writer on Gravity Falls, going over to Mitchell's versus the Machines, you know, it's not un- you know impossible. Yeah. yeah, I think I, I think hopefully Disney's going to get to the point where I mean, let's look at their current lineup now. They've not got Gravity Falls anymore. They've not got Amphibia anymore. They've not got uh, the Owl House. That was their three big shows, in my opinion, in the last ten years that they've had. And what have they got at the minute? They've got Louder and Prouder, which kicked up a bit of a stink, but now not many people are talking about it. Molly McGee, which is like their somewhat most talked about show, but not really trending on any social media platforms all that well. You've got, uh, you know, um, um, you've got Kiff, which no one's really talking about at the moment. And then you've got Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur, which really only kind of picks up when, pe- when you know, episodes kind of come out every once in a, in a week and then finally get dumped on Disney+. Plus. Yeah. So, I mean, like, their two big shows right now are ones that aren't really, you know, matching the popularity of either of those three shows at the moment and that's concerning i think for uh disney animation and i think they're going to you know they've got, they got thinius and verb coming back which you know like they wrapped that up in a really good way you know and they even fought to even get that finale into the episode and now all of a sudden it's coming back for more episodes i mean what else could they potentially do with this 
I mean, like, uh, I do worry about everything. Also, Disney Plus subscriptions are also falling through the floor at the minute for all sorts of reasons. You know, cost of living, you know, uh, people not really liking, you know, Disney the way it's kind of going at the moment and, you know, conservative, you know, blah, blah, blah. But, you know, like, uh, there's all sorts of reasons why all that's going on. But, uh, yeah, I mean, like, uh, they're going to want to, they, they they should be begging for Dana, Dana to come back soon. They really should. Like, you I'll, know, they should, I'll be they, saying they, they, something about this a little later on, but. Um... They should roll out the red carpet and say, hey, what do you, you when are you going to start doing? Doing Owl House again, like you know, it's just it's. Uh, I think that's uh, if, if they're not if they're not doing that somewhere down the line, you know, when uh, Dana's finally you know got a chance to breathe, then quite frankly, I think they're idiots. But yeah, yeah. Uh, go ahead, Jim. I was just gonna say, the, I definitely agree. I want to see Dana move on to new projects, and you know, just show what uh, other ideas she has kicking around. But I do want to see her return to this, if only just for one thing at the end. Uh, I just want to see the adventures of Sky Pirate Amity. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. That'd be fantastic. I mean, I'm just hoping that it, we don't have to wait 15 to 20 years to do it, just like how we've had to wait all that time for Hey Arnold for the Jungle movie or Invader Zim with Enter the Florpus or Static Cling for Rocco's Modern Life. So, yeah, yeah. I'm just hoping that that won't be the case. Mind anyway, you, the, I- the worst thing that could potentially happen is that so Disney will turn around and say, oh, hey, we're going to bring the Owl House back. But, so, you know, you know all those live action movies you love so much. Uh- no more of the live action, please. Nobody wants them. Yeah. <laughs> I genuinely would like to ask everybody, if they said we're going to bring back the Owl House, uh, you know, for a special, but it's going to be live action, would anyone touch it? No. We, no. We've already gotten that with Kim you Possible. Mean a genuine I think we've one? had more than yeah. enough. Oh, we don't talk well, about the Kim Possible. We don't yeah. talk about it. I wouldn't... I'm your Rufus now, Morgan. <laughs> no, we don't bring up that meme <laughs> either. A genuine one? <laughs> Not like... um. <laughs> Like a bit where everyone just dresses up like their characters. Like, oh, you, you you mean like uh, that that joke that they did with Chowder, where you basically broke the fourth wall because they ran out of animation budget, and so they had to raise it back by doing a car wash. Yeah, or um, Gravity Falls did it briefly, where there's just a shot of everyone in their. I think their it was costumes, Deferred, yes. in their costumes, yeah. like their cosplay, and going, "Ha! Ah, like, what happened? Like, <laughs> well, wasn't yeah. that because they fell down the well of like infinite? Yeah. something or other. Yeah, yeah well, that's, was, there's, there's a reason. It had to do that, with so the well. magic behind it. Yeah, Watch yeah. the spoilers. Watch the spoilers. Sorry, uh, I'm, I'm, sorry. Not I'm, vague. Vague. I'm, I'm not remembering so, any of this. I'm being so vague. Okay. Anyway, but there's something that I actually wanted to bring up, or you know, going into this topic, that you know, two things. The general consensus for, you know, Disney's direction about like what kind of shows that they want to bring into their lineup. And there's been rumors going around that the Owl House is essentially like the beginning of the end of an era where, you know, they're going to be focusing a lot less on story driven shows and more on episodic shows. You know, we've seen Kiff, um, Primos is coming up, then Haley's on it. Um, Then we have, uh, you know, Big City Green. Yeah, I was going to say, what's the one with the yellow people? Yeah, Big City Greens. Yeah, Big City Greens. Yeah, Yeah, Big City Greens just wrapped up their third season. They're going to have a season four and they're going to have a movie. So there's that. And also, um, you know, like we mentioned before, like Louder and Prouder and Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur and all those other shows. So yeah, those are basically the ones that are going to be like taking over the Disney Channel at this point in time. But then I remembered looking through the Owl House Facebook page, which by the way, it just reminded me of a Reddit post that I saw. Uh, shout outs to Ian Clearly for pointing this out. They said that we have to remember that Disney Plus is going to try to lean more towards the story-driven and serious stuff that we loved seeing for Owl House and Gravity Falls and all that stuff. In Good. fact, I yeah, I'm, in fact, if you remember, Molly Knox Ostertag is going to be working on an animated series 
for Disney Plus, and it's um, let me see if I can remember what the name of it was. I think it was um. Well, sorry, while you're doing that, I mean, like, uh, I want to get everyone else's thoughts on this, and that is Neon me and Galaxy. Patricia. That, that's what yeah. it was, Neon me, Galaxy. Okay, me and Patricia debate this all the time on Aaron and Patricia on our podcast, and where we argue like an old married couple, even though we're yet to be a married couple. <laughs> uh, and that is, uh, but, but we, we are uh, old uh, though. Yeah, yeah. Well, okay, all right. But um, <laughs> so um, we argue that you know I dislike the episodic format of like. You know Molly McGee and Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur and that. I I I've always been a proponent of the story-driven season and the fact because the reason why is because you know look at what we've had with the Owl House, look at what we've had with Amphibia, and look at what we've had with Gravity Falls. It makes you want to tune into the next episode and it grips you and everyone starts talking about it on social media, starts you know, coming up with a theory, starts coming up with a conversation. It, it it is a really great way to get your show you know some excitement. But yeah. Patricia sometimes disagrees with me and says that you know with the episodic format it's easier for kids to understand because they don't have to watch like every single episode of the show to get the show i'd like to hear everybody else's thoughts on that like you know which one of us is right <laughs> let me let me jump in here let me be devil's man okay? <laughs> it was like my time is coming here <laughs> all right i i get a lot of hate i get a lot of flack because of course i am just as mad at everybody else with disney everything like that but at the end of the day you have to keep in mind they are a business. They need to make money. And what makes you money? Throwing on random episodes. Don't care what it is. People can pick it up right away. Watch it. You're done. You don't need to go seek out another episode to understand like, oh, like, who is this character that they just introduced into the story? You don't need to air the three episodes back to back to understand it. And I think to the benefit, that is why Cartoon Network loves Teen Titans Go so much. You can throw it on for a weekend. You can throw it on for a week straight. However many episodes you want, back to back to back to back. It's there. You just pump it out. It doesn't matter. And for a business, that works so well because that child that is watching it, probably without their parents even noticing what is going on, is watching the eight episodes back-to-back of Teen Titans Go of Robin just shaking his little booty around. And it's like, that's funny. That's awesome. Good for us. It doesn't matter at all. And so while I love these story-driven shows, I think they're amazing. Um, Avatar Last Airbender did an incredible job of really cementing that in and kind of allowing this break of the medium from like other shows during that time in the anime and format. But for Disney, it's it is so much easier just to toss on a random episode. That's why they loved Phineas and Ferb so much. It's probably why they're bringing it back again. Is just having kids sit down, mindlessly watch an episode. You can put on anyone; doesn't matter. You can just hit that play button on Disney Plus and just go. Your child doesn't need to think. It is mindless television, and that's what it is there for. And that is the format that Disney as a company doesn't want to break from. It's so simple. So while I personally really love story-driven shows and I think that they very much underestimate their audience and their level of comprehension and who the shows are actually reaching out and touching in these fan base that will, you know, seek out merch anywhere they can, uh, gobble it up. They just don't understand that market yet. And for Disney... I hate to give them any credit where it is, but if you kind of look back to, um, 
Alex, the creator of Gravity Falls, had put out a really funny, I shouldn't say it's funny, but a good video about the censorship that Gravity Falls had to go through in these ridiculous places. And I won't say much about it for spoiler reasons. I, I've, I've seen I've seen the, the post. <laughs> <laughs> but I feel like Disney has come a long way. And I give them some credit because in business, things move very, very slowly. You are changing and adapting. You have... Um, an older generation who's in control of it coming in with a newer generation there is so much gap between there and you are trying to abide by your stockholders and what they want and i again devil's advocate it's very difficult to find that median line there to find what is okay to show what is not okay to show what goes against uh regulations and what they can work through and the really simplistic, you know, just toss an episode up. It's fine. We don't need to worry about a story. It's just so much easier for their business. And it's more cost effective to toss up a random episode of a character just jumping around doing wacky shenanigans than push out five episodes where they need these super detailed, crisp fighting things that just require a higher budget. Anybody else want to be able to go into my side? Yeah, well, I I was so getting everything until you mentioned Disney Plus, and I'm like, I think that's where the fatal flaw kind of is here, is syndication on cable, 100%. Uh, nonsense to have on in the background, yes, but I like you said, there's a whole market that's untapped, and I think it goes younger than a lot of studios will give credit to while they're trying to figure out the shift in entertainment. Mm -hmm. But I remember abandoning... Nickelodeon, Disney Channel, and Cartoon Network in favor for, you know, any VHS or DVD I could get a hold of. Star Wars, even Jurassic Park. Like, I was just clamoring for whatever movies my parents had because I started craving enriching stories. Like, I remember even, like, getting tired with my video games because I'm like, is Link ever gonna talk? Is there a point to all these games? Why is he over here? Why is he over there? Why is his clothes always green? Like, I started asking questions of all my stories. And I I think in a world of streaming, I I want to believe at some point shit will be gotten together. But it's yeah. like when you have the opportunity to control it, pause, play, binge it. I think that's where you get these kind of shows. And it kind of sucks because I feel like the Owl House would still do incredible things if it was a Disney Plus original. But there's still something so special about Rain and Lumity and the Owl Curse and all these different themes and characters being presented on cable. I I think there is something to be said about that control and that linearity. Like, you know, because there's also going to be kids who are like, cool, a story. But after about 45, 50 minutes, they're going to go, oh, like, I want to grill cheese. Like, I, <laughs> they're kids, right? So it's like a world where you can control that. And then, yes, shows like Teen Titans, Teen, Teen Titans Go, Teen Titans Go, um, the syndication power absolutely like but i think i think we're starting to move away from that and or more not move away from it but make room for a world of both like i see a world where disney channel if they keep clamoring to the archaic cable access setup i feel like disney channel is eventually going to become the disney plus channel where it's just okay here's things from disney plus that will show you on tv but we control what it is what time you should pay money if you want to watch wandavision before 8 p.m on a tuesday you know what i mean so it's like i think the world of entertainment is in such a weird flux and disney can't keep up i think disney plus 
ironically came out at the best time because it was starting to happen right as all of us had to go inside to be safe and smart but like i think there's they're still trying to pioneer an unpioneerable space right now yeah and, and i mentioned earlier that molly knox ostertag uh who you guys may know is uh nate stevenson's wife and also who is uh, a, a crucial writer for a lot of the episodes that a lot of people love from the owl house like enchanting grom fright and uh, various others but yeah if she is going to be the one to pitch a new series on disney plus and it's going to be like story driven and all that kind of stuff we could be seeing all that stuff over there and disney channel will probably be relegated over toward the episodic stuff because you know we we need to be able to you know get that viewership and you know ha not have to worry about like oh i missed that episode of tron uprising when pavel was able to take control of her back and 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 we need to find out you know if tron is going to be able to come and fight off uh you know and to the grid so yeah we're at this point in time it's like you know story stuff especially for younger kids is not going to be the one to gravitate towards them because i mean i even mentioned this in my hey arnold the jungle movie video that um you know kids who never saw hey arnold and they jump into the jungle movie will have no idea what's happening and they have to watch these episodes to get themselves prepared i mean for a lot of kids it's like that's homework i don't want to do that i want to be able to watch this stuff easily that's why in you know enter the florpus and static cling were better successes because it was easier for them to get into that they didn't really need to watch it in order for them to understand what the story was and i think that we're probably going to see that direction at this point in time uh, it's actually something that i remember i was listening back to like our old uh, season discussions of the owl house and there's something that rebecca even brought up where she said that Owl House came out at the right time because for a lot of people who were sad that Steven Universe future was ending, they needed something else to get into. And so now that the Owl House is ending, I'm sure that there'll probably be like some show down in the line that a lot of people will get into. I mean, like I've been seeing a lot of people looking into like all the, the independent stuff that's been on YouTube, like, you know, uh, has been hotel and the, the hell of a boss and uh, lackadaisy. So you know what? I think that there's still stuff out there that we can be able to gravitate towards. I mean, just because that, you know, we're moving on doesn't mean that we can't forget about what the show was able to do for all of us, whether it be representation or a storyline or a character or anything of the sort. I think that what we were able to experience those three years watching the show is something that we're never going to forget. I mean, but, but like, this we, is the point I'm making, like we're moving on, which Disney, I would imagine, doesn't want us to do. They want us to stay, pay our money for the Disney Plus and they're continuing you know, watching their content, which, uh, you know, I've listened to uh, Owl House fans who have basically told me flat out to say, OK, once we're done with the Owl House and if we're pretty concerned that there's going to be any more of that, I'm canceling my Disney Plus subscription and I'm not right. going to move, move any any further with them and this is a problem and by the way in regards to like all the kids content i mean um we're still kind of moving away a little bit from here but uh here's the thing about this do you know in japan right now their birth rate has fallen under eight hundred thousand a year now that is concerning and by the way this isn't just japan this is a trend that we're noticing going on through other countries that their birth rates are currently going through the floor now um if disney believes that uh, they're going to be able to make a business model or at least a successful business model out of a bunch of us like you know uh, zamba just said herself she's not got any kids neither have i neither have patricia neither is morgan neither is moscow neither is the third bill and neither i'm assuming james hasn't got any kids either no. you know like uh, so it's it, like <laughs> 
yeah so like you know um i you know I'm, I'm not saying that we're i mean i can safely say that we're not the exception there's a lot of other people right now who uh for financial reasons or for other reasons that i think should be alarm bells i should be ringing but anyway that's a debate for uh, you know something else but what i'm saying is in context of that you know um if the disney believes that they're going to be making money or any like any serious bank they've been making you know over the last you know good couple of decades away from the baby boomers all the way up to now and think they're going to be making the same cash that they're going to be making making child content which you know uh, is based around the uh the the, the architecture that we recently discovered they're going to be found out they're going to be very seriously wrong you know there's a reason why illumination is doing things like the mario movie there's a reason why you know universal is doing things like the sonic hedgehog movies there's a reason why other ones are doing like uh, things that you know reminisce to you know the last days that you know all of us have been growing up with and then going you know into uh this is because there's people who grew up with it and they're the ones who are watching and not the one maybe you know the kids are just being brought, brought along for the ride because their parents you know watched it you know been yesteryear so i think you know that's just another reason why i think disney are in trouble i think you know were, un- yeah unless they do something you know which i think you know when they realize that phineas and ferb hasn't been the uh the success that they hope it was going to be and all the other shows are kind of like falling by the wayside and everyone's going off to netflix or going off to uh you know uh the youtube or going off to all the independent you know studios or going you know not bothering to pay streaming for it all and will happily pay you know uh 30 bucks or whatever to like sit in a, recl- in a recliner with like you know a, a plate of nachos to watch the you know the the kirby movie or the star fox movie or the metroid movie or whatever it's going to be well you know they're, they're going to be a, that's going to be a massive wake-up call for uh, Disney, and I think you know Dana. You know uh, Terrace. All he needs to do is he needs to sit like on a beach in Miami and just wait for a cell phone to ring. I think, and then I think that's what she's effectively doing, in my opinion. Well, just have to wait and see. It's, it's been really interesting for me actually because I've worked for a, a, tel- a big TV company here in the UK for the last twelve years, and watching the difference. Like my company knows that live television is going to become a dinosaur very quickly, a lot quicker than I think we're expecting um and actually a lot of channels are already the viewership the numbers that have been seen over the last years just plummeting on live tv eventually a lot of your programs you know it's gonna be like your your shops now your shops are shutting because online shopping's becoming a thing and it is going to be the same i think for the live television where a lot of live tv channels are going to start shutting down and online is going to be where the priority goes and i think disney did the right thing bringing out disney plus and i think they need to be prepared to ready to make that leap fully onto some sort of platform like that whether it be that they host their own little live channels on the app as well at the same time so if you do have kids and you do want to just plunk them down front of the tv you can do something like that but i just come back to the discussion it was had i i i see the 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 benefit in both types of content but i do think they will need to make they're they're holding on to this little raft that's going out and they're just trying to hold on to the shore at the same time and there's going to come a point they're going to have to make the choice between what they're going to go after and it'll be interesting to see the results on the back of it yeah Mm. i think that we can start wrapping things up because i know that we can probably go into this for hours upon hours but um yeah i think that i want to leave off with like maybe just finality like i want to know about what have been your favorite episodes who have been your favorite characters and what the show left behind for you as you when watching it like what well, impact but before, did before we do that there are a few like a couple extra like little nitbits i want to like throw into the owl okay, house discussion that is that uh you know we saw that you know camila was um you know looking after six kids and i was wondering like you know how on earth is she managed to do i mean as you can see like she's budgeting for everything collecting coupons left right and center and everything like that but you know she didn't to have quite a bit of bank in order to kind of like do this and uh, it leads me to this very sad theory 
I believe that Manny did in that hospital did not die of natural causes. And uh, I think that uh, he might have actually died from, you know, malpractice in the hospital. And the one thing I'm thinking of is that once that happened, you know, can, you know, you can probably imagine the hospital is going to think, good grief, Camille is going to take us to the cleaners. We've done something really terribly wrong. Let's give her a ton of money and let's get her to, like, you know, sign an NDA or whatever and never to, like, you know, take us to court or anything like that. And that's the reason why for those first couple of months she was able to basically help all those kids out effectively i don't know i don't know like uh, i get the feeling that uh maybe who knows maybe the owl house does come back maybe we probably might explore a bit more about like you know who manny was and like you know what exactly what happened but uh i don't know it like uh that sort of hangs with me a little bit that uh you know the way that manny went out probably wasn't the most kosher of ways for whatever reason That's let just, me throw well. it out probably just life insurance money yeah, honestly, workplace injury or something like that. Maybe I hate to jump to like a hospital malpractice, and maybe this is just <laughs> life insurance. I don't know. That's probably, that's probably life like insurance, the, life insurance. Yeah, that's probably, that's stuff. that yeah. would probably say also, life insurance. I think there's also an implication. This house isn't as pretty as the last house, like because that was Camila's. Like, oh, we're moving because this house is prettier. I think also their family, uh, probably had a bit more means combined and then downsized a lot so now you also have uh, a cheaper uh home per the location or where it is in proximity to the hospital but yeah i think life insurance before <laughs> as someone from connecticut a house like that goes for three hundred thousand dollars oh yeah the yeah. property up here ain't cheap so Wait, yeah morgan yes that is I well, not, so, for, not for a little Morgan while. lives in a mansion, so... Yeah, I know, I do not. Know. Coast, so... Listen, <laughs> up, like, it's don't not pull this shit right now. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I think, from my experience on the other side of the country, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. Well, okay. if you compare it to, like, down south, like, South Carolina and Georgia, like, you could get, like, a huge house for that. But in Connecticut, like... Even you know what, maybe three. I was thinking of one story, but technically it is two stories, so it maybe go for like four hundred, five hundred thousand. Yeah, because it's, 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 it's two bedroom, isn't it? Because yeah. the, the the kids were sleeping in basements, two bedroom. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. the other, the other reason I come up with like you know the, the the malpractice theory is because you know Camila blames herself for like you know what happened and like you know because she, she makes the comment like you know oh I I you know it was my decision like you know bring us over to Greyfields and put him next to that put him into that fancy hospital and we all know how that turned out and it makes me feel like you know um yeah that that's another thing that kind of pushes me towards that as well but you know yeah like, right uh, now uh, uh, i mean i don't know I, I don't know how like you know if someone dies how that works like you know in regards to like life insurance and all that kind of stuff like you know i don't know how yeah, life all insurance that functions. pension yeah. depends on his job too like if he had a specific like state or government job there's a whole lot of benefits there um if he was sure. a veteran or not i've i've had to unfortunately help fill out and find a lot of a lot of paperwork on that in my life all um, right. I kind of took her wording there as more so like I wish I didn't move us because it disrupted your life and it didn't pan out that we moved to or to be able to get him to a hospital that could help him for a lot of families in those situations where it is a unfortunate disease the doctors available in their area can't handle it. So a right. lot of people end up moving out to a different state, country, what have you, to get access to that health care. And that's kind of what I thought she was implying. Like, 
it didn't even matter in the end because well, the thing, we don't we don't actually us. know what what he actually died of like yeah. you know right now yeah. it's just the right now he just died of the off-camera disease we don't know mm-hmm. what that is well, right. plus yeah. um i think it also grounds and solidifies a realistic loose was pretty isolated if she had like not grown up in the area right like they'd been there for a little while sure but like these weren't kids she grew up around this is a new community you know camila doesn't have like friends from you know when she prior to getting married or like you know prior to uh manny getting sick so i think it also illustrates i, I get the feeling if season three wasn't shortened i think we would have got a manny episode i think and uh, we would have got like you know had like you know oh uh you know we lose and all of that you know go finally goes visits you know uh her dad's grave and like all the all the team come with her and you know they would have had like you know stories and like you know work memories and things like that and like you know in the graveyard and uh you know i think we would have got like you know another crying episode of like you know uh which would another episode we all would have cried over yes exactly. But, uh, i didn't interrupt but i gotta head out all right oh, okay. well uh jim i was you... literally about to type the same thing into the chat as well <laughs> i have to go to I just all have right, to pee. <laughs> all, right. <laughs> all right. I think we should probably really wrap up. I think we should up, wrap so. up. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, so yeah. I, I guess we, we will cut this short. So, uh, yeah, you'll have to wait another 20 years for us to g- gather together to discuss about all this stuff. But, uh, no, I, I just want to say uh, thank you so much for coming on by. I really do appreciate it. Well, it was great being here. You guys all have a good time. All yeah. right. Yeah. So, uh, quickly plug and promote your stuff right before you have to go. My name is Aaron Meta of the Aaron Meta Show podcast. I talk about Preston North End stuff, as you can see behind me. I also talk about some Hey Arnold stuff as well. And also, I just talk generally about news and uh, entertainment and politics. Uh, you find me on Twitter. It's Aaron Meta Show, which is A R U N M E H T A S H O W. If you want to ask me a question on Tumblr, it's AaronMeta.tumblr.com. If you want to find me on Instagram, I'm back there too. Also, Aaron Meta Show. If you want to find me on Reddit, I'm also there on the same time as Aaron Meta Show. And uh, uh, yeah so uh, and also uh, keep an eye on the Aaron Meta Show Twitter feed the Aaron Meta Show will come back at some point my computer is finally rebuilt and I'm finally cooking on gas again so uh, yeah uh, I'll let you guys know what's going to happen in the future thank you okay okay um, I post videos of my uh, magic and mind reading performances on my YouTube channel you can find that at Jim Bevan and I also post them on Instagram jbevan1985 I just posted my most recent uh, video which was me doing uh, opening acts before a performance by the Cutthroat Freak Show. And I'm hoping to keep the videos coming up throughout the year. Okay. Uh, okay, everybody, go go for it. Uh, uh, Morgan? Oh, yeah. me? Okay. I was yeah, waiting for ahead. someone else. I was. I didn't want to cut off anyone. Uh, all right, so if you want to follow me, yeah, you can check out my YouTube. It's Morgan Terry. Very creative, I know. Um, and then on Twitter and Instagram, I go by Doodlebug Morg. I post like you know, art I've done of these fandoms, <laughs> or I'm just crying over something online. It could go either way. And then on TikTok, I post random crap. That's Oxy Morgan, like oxymoron, but Oxy Morgan. So yeah, that's I got those it. are my socials. All right, and uh, Zamber. Um, thank you guys for having me. Uh, you can find me everywhere at I am Zamber. Uh, mainly just on YouTube though. So, all right, and you, Bill. Uh, yeah, youtube.com slash the third bill. Social media is generally, it's just at the third bill. Um, and I stream on my YouTube channel, uh, Bill Chill Gaming. Uh, but all my animation and reviews and pop culture stuff and music, that's all on uh, the third bill. Okay, and you, Moscow. Uh, yeah, so I go by We Last Reacts on YouTube and same thing on Twitter as well. And I just react to, as I say it, shite on the internet. 
All right. And as for me, <laughs> you can check me out on uh, oldschoollane.net. I have a YouTube channel, which is youtube.com slash oldschoollane, facebook.com slash oldschoollane. I'm on Twitter at patty underscore B underscore Miranda. You can find the podcast on Anchor, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Radio Public, all those places. New episodes of the podcast will go there first, and then it'll go up in a few days on YouTube. As of the recording of this, this is episode 199 of my podcast. Episode 200 will be coming out next week, and it's basically a celebration of all the podcasts and all the guests that I've had on there over the past 10 years. So uh, it's really exciting to see how far that the show has come and where hopefully it'll be in the future. And uh, yeah, uh, and I'm sure that that uh, if you know that that last topic we said about like favorite episodes and characters and all that stuff i'm sure that they'll probably do a separate discussion so follow their stuff if you want to know <laughs> so yeah thanks so much everybody let us know in the comments below about your thoughts on the season three owl house specials let us know about your Hurry favorite up, moments okay. and all that stuff i'm yeah, muted what's up? oh am i not muted no you're not <laughs> oh, damn, i was trying to be so slick and that polite. was me last time <laughs> damn it no my 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 uh my partner just got home so i was like i'm right, the mic. Right. run 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 okay so you know what you already know my stuff link below okay everybody bye bye, bye. bye. <laughs>